Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, hello, hello. How is everyone doing today? Never fear, never fear. Mr. C is here, ladies and gentlemen. How is it going this afternoon? Wow. Well, 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 well. We are getting... We are getting pretty rowdy over here in one of our chat rooms. I hope everyone is doing fine today. Uh, they're calling me out. They're like, uh, where's the tea chat? Where's the tea chat? And you know, I don't know, uh, I don't know how Tam Growl does it, but she's always like, Mr. C, put that down. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Do I got eyes here somewhere? Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, everyone watching and everyone not. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of The Sea Report, and uh, we are coming to you guys live on this Thursday afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thursday afternoon. Today is Thursday, May 12th, 2022, just in case you weren't aware. And welcome on in to a brand new episode of The Sea Report. I am your host, Mr. C, as always, as usual, otherwise known as Michael Aaron Gossidis, and it's great to be here. All right, guys, we uh, we got a great report ahead of us today, and uh, doing it on our 300th episode, ladies and gentlemen, 300th episode. It kind of felt like we were never going to get to 300, right? We, we got stalled up around like uh, three quarters of the way there. Uh, but finally, finally, we've hit it, guys. We finally hit the big three oh oh. So, well, we're having a little bit of, uh, you know, I'm going to be very, very liberal with uh, with my time today. You know, I'm going to milk it for all I can, right? Milk the time for all I can. We, we will only be episode 300 for so long, after all. Right, guys? Right, right, right. So might as well milk it as much as we can. Hang out with all of you lovely folks out there joining us over at the foxhole.appill.net, uh, uh, twitch.tv, clouthub, rumble. All right, guys. I hope you guys are having a great time. If you're joining us over at any of those platforms like Rumble, Clouthub, Twitch, make sure you subscribe and or follow. It's always free. It's always free. I think uh, I think people are getting a kick out of the clippings of the show that I'm running now. Uh, best place to catch the clips would be at uh, Rumble and actually at BitChute also. Uh, I don't promote BitChute too much, but you know uh, that 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 video service platform has a life of its own. <laughs> Let me tell you what, guys, it has a life of its own. I mean, I get a lot of views over there, a lot of interesting opinions as well. But I don't know, you know, I've heard I've heard funny things about BitChute, you know, and I think the more that I, uh, I, I uh, you know, explore that platform, uh, I find it to be the rumors that is uh, more truer more often than not. But uh, you know what? I don't mind, you know, as long as the info gets out there and uh, we can have a civil conversation or discourse I'm all for it. I am all for it. Already been called all kinds of names over there, right? I was like, well, you know what? It's funny because it's true. <laughs> anyways, guys, anyways, yeah, best place to check the clips out over at uh, over at uh, Rumble or Clout Hub. If you want to get on the conversation, though, you know, if you're a member of our podcast audience or if you're a member of any of the other platforms and you'll want to get in on the conversation, uh, then I would highly suggest you head on over to the foxhole.app or pill.net and get that free account. 
I would say trolls are welcome, but you know, there are several audience members that have their troll spray and their troll repellent, so you're welcome to try. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know, uh, I don't know how successful you will be uh, or how long-lived your, um, your presence will be anyhow. Actually, I am going to drop the links for uh, the Rumble account uh, over at, uh, I would drop it over at Twitch, but we don't got many viewers over there at the moment. And then not to mention, not to mention, you know, they can't see the messages until they're actually in the audience. They can't see anything that's like, you know, uh, pre their presence in the chat room. However, uh, you can most definitely, uh, catch that link. I'll drop it over at, uh, the foxhole.app. For any of you good folk that uh, have not yet been able to follow my Rumble account, well, there's your chance, ladies and gentlemen. Catch the clips and spread them around. Just hit that little share button in the right-hand corner below the video. Get them on your social media. Get them everywhere. Go, go find your favorite clip. And, uh, and you, uh, maybe it's a story that you uh, like. Uh, maybe it's some news that is timely. Maybe it's a, a, a view that is, uh, that is uh, interesting. Or maybe it's just one of my little, like, you know, off-color rants. Sometimes I clip those out. Not all the time, but sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. Uh, but fun stuff, guys. Fun stuff. Great stuff. I clipped out all of the New Mexico um, election audit. You know, that one which transpired at the beginning of this week. That's been rather successful. I think, I think people are appreciative of getting that information. I think they're appreciative of just getting the information, uh, but they're doubly so appreciative when you clip out the really good important parts. So this way they don't have to suss through a three hour hearing. You know what I mean? You guys know what I mean. You guys know what I mean. I sent all of those clips directly to the, uh, to the inbox of uh, one President Donald J. Trump. Not that he doesn't know already, but you know what? The man's a busy guy. He can't track every single election audit or integrity effort that's happening in this country. Well, actually, you know, I tagged him over at Truth Social. If you guys got a Truth Social, Mr. CTV, The C Report, myself, we are all on Truth Social at MRCTV. That's right. Truth Social at MRCTV. Uh, so far, I've been pretty good about staying active on that channel. I think I, I think I, I think I spread like nine or ten truths today. Right? Never have I ever done that before, man. Not even on Twitter. But then again, I was never really a fan of Twitter. You know, never really a fan of Twitter. I used it just to like poke fun at celebrities and politicians I didn't like. I was the equivalent of a, uh, of a, what, what would you call it? A conservative, uh, provocateur troll over there? <laughs> yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Fortunately, none of them ever took me seriously, right? They're gonna be like, oh, you're gonna call me a pedophile, Mr. C? Well, I will see you in court, right? And my only defense would be, well, you need to bring evidence to prove that you're not a pedophile, right? <laughs> Oh, I guess we'd have to see how successful that argument would be in the court of law. I, you know, you know, <laughs> just saying, just saying. Anyhow, guys, anyhow, uh, great to see you all in the audience. Let me jump into the chat room real quick before we get into today's report. 
We got Aurelius Locke, happy and ready with his popcorn in hand. Tam Growl, of course. Uh, Tim Bajet. Oh, yeah, see, Mr. C. Uh, two to three minutes, guys. Two to three minutes. Actually, considering how late I usually go on, I'm quite early, aren't I? Well, I'm glad that you were ripped up and ready for it. Mr. Tim Bajet. Uh, shell out nine. Where's the teach? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, by M, I meant question mark. <laughs> uh, 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 damn Android. Hey, you know, I feel that too. I feel that too. Tamgrels, is Java around, right? Uh, well, not today. I'll be seeing Java on Saturday. I'm actually going to get to meet the bloke in person, most hopefully on Saturday. I'll be uh, taking a trip up to Austin, Texas, just down the road to the state capital that has been plundered by progressivism and wokeism, right? And wannabe communists. And, uh, and I will actually going up there for a fun reason, as I'm sure some of you guys have already heard, uh, President Trump will be giving um, a speech in Austin, Texas this Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a great time. Uh, it's part of a tour that uh, President Trump is currently embarking on. Uh, it's called the Trump's American Freedom Tour. Ladies and gentlemen, get your tickets now while you can. Uh, I already secured my seats there. Now it's just, uh, you know, hopefully that hopefully I got assigned good seats is, is what I got to say now. But uh, it'll be a fun time either way. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm, I, I'm not, not, not going to be ringside by any means. Uh, those tickets... Man, those tickets to get ringside Trump speech, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we're talking like quite a, quite a sum of money. I mean, you get the perks, right, of like uh, uh, meeting uh, Donald Trump Jr., uh, you know, meeting Dinesh D'Souza and getting to do all that fun stuff and uh, whatever else it entails. But man, you know what? I currently do not uh, do not have that within my means, but it'll be a great time anyways. I'm looking forward to what the president has to say. Uh, very hopeful uh, that the president will deliver some juicy remarks, unlike which we have heard at any of the uh, most previous rallies, you know. Would be, honestly, guys, I wouldn't mind if uh, basically I listened and attended another Trump rally on Saturday, meaning that the exact same script, right? I wouldn't mind. I mean, come on. I get to hear the president for the second time in my life, which is uh, quite an awesome experience I had the first time. Well, I mean, you know, being being in the shadow of the Capitol, well, yeah, that was pretty fun, guys. That was pretty fun. <laughs> and again, there, guys, I was like pretty far away from the stage, but it was still a great experience, I've got to say. We'll see what happens, you know, as um, uh, Austin, Texas, as I mentioned, is the uh, progressive woke capital of Texas. Um, uh, we'll have to see what happens. I'm wondering if, you know, they're going to rally the Antifers or the BLMers to uh, pop a squat on the convention. We'll, we'll find out about that, guys. We'll find out about that. Who knows? Maybe we'll go live for a little bit in Austin, Texas, ladies and gentlemen. It, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to undoubtedly be a very fun time. So, uh, but I'll give you guys all the deets. After the convention, they've said that uh, there's no uh, electronic 
recording or transmissions allowed of any type, right? And here I was thinking, well, maybe I'll just record the president's speech, right? But, uh, you know, I, I try to be respectful. It's part and parcel of that whole integrity idea. So maybe not, maybe not. But we'll see what's up. We'll see what's up. And uh, I'm sure it will be a great time. I'll have many things to report, I am sure, to all of you wonderful people out there. Uh, let's see here. What else we got going on? Tim Jet. Everybody is fired up because uh, Scott at Woke was hitting hard when he... Oh, he lost his stream. That blows. Hopefully everything is okay over there. Uh, everything's been running pretty smooth over here at the foxhole.app. So uh, hopefully, hopefully all is well in the world of woke societies, right? And for those of you who are uninitiated, we're not talking about the lefty woke societies, right? No, 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 no. We're talking about another America-loving uh, uh, patriot who just so happens to have a show named woke societies, but uh, hopefully all is well. So everyone's fired up about that. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I guess I get to pick up where uh, Scott dropped off, so to speak. Uh, he was on those NGOs and CEOs. Let me tell you what, those NGOs and those CEOs will get you every time. I hope, you know, when we're talking about the opportunity that we now have, uh, in, in the face of all of this, uh, controversy and, and all of this, um, denigration of our way of life here and political system, governmental system, etc. uh, hopefully, hopefully this will also... I don't know, cause, cause certain ideas to root in the minds of men and women who could do something about it. You know, the American people are the men and women that can do something about it if they're aware of it. Uh, but, but now, you know, the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations have always been kind of in our, uh, our, our line of sight, haven't they? But I believe that now so more than ever has it become obvious that they have got to go or they have got to be excluded from elections. And uh, you know what? I think it's safe to say that uh, if you're going to be a non-governmental organization, uh, there should be like a rule or a law that says you have to operate within the borders of the country of origin. That's kind of fair, right? You know, I mean, I'm sure that there are plenty of non-governmental organizations out there that are quite useful, handy and productive. But it seems to me that uh, the non-governmental organizations of today just, uh, you know, infiltrate other countries and then they try and uh, I don't know. They try and uh, uh, break down, uh, uh, you know, whatever nations that they're hosting, that's being hosted by them. That's not really a, that's not really a nice thing, right? That's not a nice thing to do. And then, of course, you get these like dark money agencies like the CIA that figure, well, hey, you know what? We'll just have a whole front of shell NGOs and we'll uh, we'll infiltrate countries and nations around the world and we'll just destroy that country because they're not going along with whomever our masters are. Who do you think the masters are of the CIA, right? I don't know. I guess we would have had to ask uh, good old granddaddy Pito Bush himself, uh, George Herbert Walker, but... Uh, his time has come and passed, hasn't it? 
Someone's got to know. Someone's got to know who the CIA answers to. They obviously don't answer to themselves, even though they tend to operate outside of the law here in these United States of America. Has anyone cracked that code yet about the CIA? Who is their master? Don't even tell me it's the Federal Reserve Central Bank of America, right? Uh, but no, I guess uh, I guess the Federal Reserve... No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's right within their time span. That's right within their lifespan, I should say. I should say. Hey, Deep Patriot 1776, how is it going? I sent you an email. Oh, Tay. Uh, cool, cool, cool. I will be sure to review my emails. Dpatriot1776. Ooh, I wonder what is in store for me. Sounds fun. I'll make sure to check on that, my dear. Disco Ball Chaser, thank you so much for passing out those links. Yep, uh, get your, get your Mr. C merchandise. You guys asked for it, okay? I have to preface that because if I say, get your Mr. C merchandise, get your Mr. C merchandise, do you know how many people out there are going to be all, see, he's just about making money. Well, you, they asked for it. It took me over a year to finally comply to the uh, desires of my audience now. Uh, you can access that at thecreport.com. Of course. All right. That's about as much plugging as I have to do in that regard. The Speak Uneasy. What's good? In, what's good? What is good, my brother? Thanks for joining us in the audience tonight. Great conversation last night. In case you guys didn't know, I, I moonlight as a bar back over at the Speak Uneasy Lounge on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Central Time. Uh, but, but instead of like doing my job, we usually end up just gabbing on about uh, crazy news that uh, uh, strikes our fancy, right? Yeah, you guys should check it out sometime. It is a fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Java is stuck at work, says Shell Out 9. Thank you for the update. It's breaking news. Java is stuck at work and probably going to be stuck in traffic soon as well. If I know Austin traffic as well as I did. Huh, huh, Timbajet, Timbajet. Well, you know, Timbajet, I would have to know your style. And I would also need some visual representations if someone is questioning my color combination. Yeah, you know, I thought about it, but you know what the yellow pops, doesn't it? It's a nice contrast, I think, anyhow. But uh, thank you for the sentiments either way. It's been a long time since I've taken any uh, uh, fashion um, advice from anybody, actually. Anybody. <laughs> uh, thank you all the same there, sir. Mr. Timbajet. Awesomeness. Awesomeness. Uh, Tamgrel, thank you for gifting the can. Much appreciated. Indeed, you guys do fumigate the trolls over there in the foxhole.app. You're welcome to try. Right, trolls? Uh, Aurelius Locke says, Discord told me all about you, Mr. C. I bet they did, right, Aurelius Locke? But you know what? Discord ain't going to be saying much anymore, are they? Right? Yeah. Ain't going to be saying much anymore uh, uh, in case you guys... Actually, you know, this is actually a good thing to tell the, the general population out there. If you're a Discord user, right? Discord, that social service that I never really understood or got a hold of. They recently just uh, firebombed uh, every single content creator from the foxhole.app for uh, what spreading uh, dangerous messages and uh, and hate, right? I, I mean, I got I got firebombed off there too. I think everybody did. Everybody did. Anyways, there was this whole back channel 
of uh, Foxhole content creators that has been obliterated by the woke censorship of Discord. I'm actually surprised it took them so long to do it, quite honestly. I'm kind of glad, though, because I could not stand that, uh, that uh, the functionality of that platform. I just didn't like it. Uh, but I'm surprised it took as long as they did to do it. Yep. I'm sure Discord told you all about me in the wee hours of the morning, right? Whisper, 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 gossip, gossip, gossip. Aha. The Joyful Lily, good evening. Welcome into the chat. Good to see you. <laughs> Joyful Lily says, I joined Truth Social and then deleted Truth Social. Just not for me. Ah, well, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. I mean, right now, I would say it is, it does feel equivalent to a, um, an echo chamber, right? That was one of the critiques, I think, that uh, many individuals expressed about Truth Social. Uh, but give it time, you know? I mean, uh, if you want to talk about Elon Musk again and Twitter, you know, you know, uh, I'm sure many, many, many uh, patriots and uh, Trump supporters and uh, anyone with at least with, uh, you know, eye services, iOS services, uh, we're like, oh, well, we don't got to go to True Social anymore. We've got Twitter again, right? Was it indeed meant to uh, stall the um, stall the approaching crowd that was going to Truth Social? This uh, timely Elon Musk takeover of Twitter, right? And now all of the Android users out there who uh, know who do not have access to Truth Social may never get on Truth Social because after all, they got Twitter again, right? They got Twitter again. I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens in time, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see what happens in time. I don't, I don't think the likes of uh, Dr. Oz is going to prompt lefties onto Truth Social. No, sir, Reebob, not by any means. Not by any means at all. Ah, uh, yes, a July meetup for the Central Texas Friends. I will do all in my power to get there, guys. I will, uh, I will take a train. I will take a bus. I don't think I could fly over there. I'm not taking a cab or a lift over there because that's going to get kind of pricey. Kind of pricey. All right, let's see here. Trump and Ted Nugent. How about that? Yep, we got Trump. We got Ted Nugent. We've got Junior. We've got Dinesh D'Souza. Oh, I feel like I'm missing somebody. There was someone else there. That, oh, Mike Pompeo. Actually, that's actually very interesting. Mike Pompeo will be speaking in Austin as part of this uh, Freedom uh, Tour that they're taking, which I think will be very interesting to see, considering that, like, what, uh, Pompeo and Trump seem to be, uh, seem to be betting against different dogs in the race in Pennsylvania, right? Oh, man, and we're talking about Pennsylvania tonight, guys. There's all sorts of drama coming out of Pennsylvania and their primary elections, which are due on Tuesday. Due on Tuesday. So much drama. Ooh, boy. Let me tell you what, I haven't seen this much drama since the Railroad Commissioner's race of 2022, and it's not even over yet here in Texas. Talking about one candidate was killed, another candidate is uh, is obviously involved with big oil and corrupt. We got another candidate, you know, uh, um, 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 uh, who is, uh, how do they say it? Who's relying on the body to get the, uh, to get the, um, uh, the nomination, of course. 
Of course, the person who's relying on their body is in the runoff against the corrupt one. So this should be still an interesting race to watch. And we'll leave that there, after all. We'll leave that there. So yeah, that'll be fun, guys. I'll let you guys know all about it. I'll take notes. I'll take sketches. I'll do everything I can to memorialize this event in Austin, Texas. And, uh, and, and if we run into any Antifers or pink hats, I'll try and get them on film. That should be fun. Hey, Sonia JHC, how you doing? Good to see you this early, Sonia. Good to see you. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see what else we got going on before we move on into today's news. Mez is in the house. What's up? The idea that 1111 holds some special power or significance comes straight from fortune telling. Yeah, yep. You uh, probably are on to something there, Mez. And uh, while I don't understand what that has anything to do with the conversation, I'm glad you said that. Good job, Mez. Good job on... Uh, injecting those random um, um, gems of insight and wisdom to the rest of the audience. I'm proud of you. I hope you are proud of yourself, Mez. Uh, Austin is going to lose it about Trump being there, you know? I'm really curious. I'm really curious. Should be fun. Should be fun. Timberjet says the CIA is full-on Nazi and would have, uh, and who would have ever figured that, right? Well, you know what? You are on to something there. You are on to... And, and aren't the Nazis, like, beholden to, like, I don't know, Moloch or something? Weren't they into, like, some kind of weird Luciferian evil religion? I don't know. That's just something I heard or saw. When, I probably saw it on BitChute. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, wow. Tam Grouse says she's going to order four mugs. Awesome. Well, you know... I got one of the mugs right here, guys. And uh, like I said, you know, I had the store open for a few weeks before I even mentioned it because I wanted to make sure they were quality, right? They're quality. And uh, the shirts I got, too, have already been washed several times and they are still holding up. So I got to say, I'm quite satisfied with the quality that uh, the, the printer, the manufacturer, whatever, provides for it. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. Let me know when you get those mugs in, Tam Growl. Let me know when you get those mugs in. Who's, oh, hey, AP9889, stopping in to say hello. Good afternoon, buddy. Hope you're doing well over there on your side of the screen. Timberjet says, what you have to understand about Truth Social is they vet everyone to be a living, breathing human, so it's never going to be twatter. You know, Timberjet, the thing about it is... I've already come across several mock accounts and other, uh, uh, and I've also read about other uh, shenanigans going on over there at Truth Social. So I wonder how true that is. You have like accounts that are like, I don't know, diehard patriot uh, QQQ with a blue check mark, right? Which means they've been confirmed. But I wonder if that's what their parents named them. Or is that even how it works? I guess maybe they have to submit their identification and then they, they can use like some kind of rando anonymous like uh, handle there. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're not checking it thoroughly or maybe they need a bigger team. They need a bigger team of reliable workers to do that check, right? Anyhow, awesome. Uh, Sean Joe, what's up, buddy? Thanks for gifting the cookie. Much appreciated. Tam Growl, Corman, new to pull out of the race. Oh, you know we're going to be talking about Jake Corman today. 
ladies and gentlemen. I have a fun time squatting on rhinos, guys. I gotta say, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I know it's early, but it's not sexual. <laughs> awesomeness, guys. Awesomeness. Thank you all for being here again this Thursday evening as we get another edition, our 300th episode of the Sea Report rolling, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh... Very much excited about today's episode. We got quite a lineup for you guys. As mentioned, we will be talking about, of course, Jake Corbin, the rhino in charge over there in Pennsylvania that has uh, uh, is wise enough to pull out when he knows how to pull out. In other words, Jake Corbin is no Vladimir Putin, right? Because everyone knows once Putin pulls in, he doesn't pull out, right? <laughs> I totally massacred that joke, by the way. I totally massacred that joke. Sean Joe, I will have to do that. He says, uh, look up Maria, Maria Orsich, a Nazi occult priestess. We'll definitely do that. That sounds like some good fodder for Mr. C in the dark. Gotta say, gotta say. Thanks again for the cookie, Sean Joe. But yeah, so uh, yeah, we're definitely going to talk a little bit about Pennsylvania today, guys, as you might be aware of. Uh, very, very, very uh, high drama happening in the Keystone Commonwealth, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll dip into that a little bit, but we are going to focus mostly on the governor's race here, guys. Um, and uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll take a little bit of a you know, sneak peek a purview into that. Uh, we're going to talk about some more election stuff, of course, because it wouldn't be a C report without election stuff. It seems like we just, we get more and more monopolized by election uh, information here at the C report now more than ever. You know, I had a whole bunch of other things that I was going to share. You know, like I wanted to uh, talk about Josh Hawley, you know, uh, introducing a bill to strip Disney woke incorporated of their copyright privileges. Can you imagine that, man? Talk about hitting Disney where it hurts, guys. Like, that would just be the undoing of Disney. You know, they they were kind of like, well, you know, we're going to take away your special city uh, tax property privileges, Disney, because you woke, right? Took that right out, you know? Disney suffered all of this loss in, uh, you know, their, uh, in their, uh, what would you call that? It, it wasn't their, it wasn't their foray into uh, a woke progressive um, child abuse. It was more like their crusade, right? Their, their crusade against anti-groomers, you know? Uh, Disney just cannot understand or respect that that is the parent's position, and that they were only limiting it up to the fourth grade. That means that, you know, any any pervert or highly confused, brainwashed, or just outright, you know, um, um, immoral teacher that wants to talk about sex and sexuality to children, like, you know why I figure it's because no one else wants to hear about their damn sex life, right? No one else wants... Everyone's like, okay, we get it, you're gay, Right? <laughs> Do you remember when that was a thing, right? When the gays were like really coming out and proud and everyone was like, you're gay, get over it. We, we got over it a long time ago. Like, why does that have to be the focal point of your conversation? Or why does it have to be how you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Mr. C and I'm a homosexual, right? Like, you know, like we don't, you're gay, get over it, right? But you know, now with this new class, of confused genderism and uh, and multi, who knows what these people are, you know, 
I would dare say if this whole gender confusion and this whole uh, um, um, love has no age thing didn't catch on like they wanted it to, uh, they probably would have gotten straight into bestiality, right? They would have been like, we need to teach kids that it's okay to kiss our dogs, right? And and I'm sure we would have had teachers that are like, well, you know, I sleep naked with my puppy, right? The, oh, God, me, you know, we know it gets much more worse and much more depraved than that. But guys, the sun is still up and uh, this is still a family show as much as it can be. So uh, we're not going to go there. But I wouldn't doubt that that was the next step, right? And then after that, it's uh, we sacrifice our pets. And then after that, it's, we sacrifice our babies, right? Where does it end with these uh, these people, you know? If someone had told me five years ago that the world is run by Luciferian, Satanic uh, people who just uh, who who believe and worship things that uh, are just uh, better off left in the shadows of the dark or perhaps in oblivion, I would have been like, yeah, maybe. I was like, there's some of them out there. Some of them obviously do these things, right? Maybe maybe the ones that we really uh, get the spotlight on. If someone had told me that 10 years ago, my opinion on that matter would have been even less, right? But now, now, seeing what I've seen, uh, reading what I've read, knowing what I've known, I, it's safe to say. It's like I say, when, uh, you know, my parents used to tell me that uh, uh, this world was ruled by the devil, I never would have thought that that meant literally that everyone who is in charge of something consequential or a power with power literally worships a devil, the devil, some devil, something of it. I, ne I never thought that when I was a kid. And I've, I've actually expressed that to, uh, to my mother. I was like, you know, mom, I was like, you used to tell me that the world was ruled by the devils. Like, who, fancy that actually all the people, whether they're in politics, whether they're in uh, business, whether they're in sports or in, you know, entertainment or whatever, what have you, they literally worship the devil, mom. She didn't know what to say to that. I mean, it's one of those moments where the parent is like, uh, you know, I, I knew I was right, but then at the same time, they don't want to be. <laughs> Because they still have their favorite movies and they still have their favorite actors, etc. Even if they're not involved in politics, right? You know, and it's like, I'm sorry, mom, but, uh, you know, um, Meryl Streep is a bloodthirsty pagan baby eater. Oh, yeah, okay, a Luciferian, Luciferian. She might even be a, a reptile. <laughs> we don't go there, guys, right? We don't go there. Uh, we don't talk about reptiles at this time of day because they don't come out till the sun goes down, right? Unless they've had enough blood to drink. Um, so yeah, it's pretty crazy, y'all. Pretty crazy. Uh, but you know, uh, get, getting on back to that thought, you know, getting on back to that thought, uh, I never, I never would have guessed that, uh, not only are most of these people, some, some kind of faction of Luciferian or Satanism, like beholders, right? They carry the torch for the dark one. Uh, a lot of them are actually also transgender. That is uh that's a new one there guys i mean we all hear about big mike you know we all hear about uh you know these other uh, chelsea manning whatever you know caitlin jenner okay i get it was that just like was that just like i don't know was caitlin chelsea and big mike was that just like grooming the uh the god-fearing patriots to be able to accept those types of uh individuals or lifestyles into 
you know, uh, the big game, right? Politics, uh, celebrity, sports, etc. I don't know. But if you actually go back and look at a lot of fo uh, photographs of world leaders, you know, uh, there's a lot of questions to be had there, guys. I I'm really starting to think that this world is run by, like, a whole different class of transgender people who also happen to uh, uh, worship the devil and, and uh, uh, pray to the Baphomet, the almighty Baphomet, ladies and gentlemen. What an interesting topic to start off the show. Thanks, guys. It's all because of you. <laughs> Thanks again for the cookie, Sean Joe. And uh, hey, creative writer, what's up? Thank you so much for the 317 gold pills. All right. Sounds good, guys. So, uh, all right. Uh, well, okay. So, uh, yeah. Uh, elections, guys. Ele how did I get so distracted? Elections, elections. Uh, we got some uh, Wisconsin news for you guys. Uh, we got some Idaho news for you guys. Believe it or not, who would have thought about talking about Idaho? Uh, we'll, uh, we'll run into some of the very curious and, uh, um, uh, I would say, uh, disheveled viewpoints on elections of, uh, the Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson. You guys know her. The one from Michigan, right? So we, we got a whole bunch of fun stuff coming up, guys. We got a whole bunch of fun stuff coming up. And, you know, it's a, it's a good thing that, uh, uh you know, we, we still have, or at least platforms exist now, Right where we can get the message out, you know, whether it's a, uh, you know, whether it's a platform like Foxhole or Rumble or even, yes, BitChute, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because they would have silenced us a long time ago, you know, uh, talking about like this disinformation, right, um, agency or office or whatever the heck that is, y'all, which absolutely makes no sense, you know. I mean, how can you have someone heading up a disinformation campaign that relentlessly spread disinformation herself or himself itself i don't know i am gonna stand by this guy that jackowitz girl boy thing it baphomet it's a man okay that is a man do not uh, okay you want to make a bet on it right i bet you five dollars it's a man okay it is a man and uh, I, I gotta say, you know, I mean, if they want to go by they or them, can I just call them it, right? Isn't that fair? Anyways, okay, I'm being mean, I'm being mean. Um, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, yes, uh, they would definitely continue to censor us. They would definitely continue to stifle any points of view that we have. They would continue on their witch hunt, ladies and gentlemen, their witch hunt of wokeism and progressivism and uh, pseudo-Nazism. Uh, we could say that now, guys, uh, because after all, they support the Nazis. So why not, right? I mean, does that not make sense that these people support the Nazis and they act like Nazis? So we should just call them Nazis, right? If it if it if it sounds like a Nazi, if it uh, if it attacks people like a Nazi, if it thinks like a Nazi, it must be a Nazi. Maybe this is the final, the last attempt at some kind of I don't know a crazy magical spell that they cast it on people, and so now their spell was make everyone like a Nazi that's, you know, has no strength or wherewithal or resolve, right? And, and maybe that's what the trick is here, guys, because after all, they're waving the colors of Ukraine, right? They're not even doing their research and uh, they are supporting Nazis at the end of the day.
You, you cannot redefine the word Nazi, right? And they definitely can't redefine the word Nazi because then that means what they used to call President Trump, I don't know, uh, just a year and a half ago. Uh, would meet would have to follow within those guidelines of redefinition. So they can't do it. They can't do it. <laughs> Aurelius Loxus, she, he, it equals shit. <laughs> That's a good one, Aurelius. That is a good one. That is a good one right there. I'm all, can I borrow that? No, just kidding. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah you got to be careful with that creative writer you got to be careful only the ones that are comfortable with you and know your personality will allow you to refer to it as an it mm-hmm mm-hmm anyhow guys anyhow uh tam Grell says nina the chin her her alley name <laughs> That's her that's her gangster name, her mobster name, Nina the Chin Jackowitz, right? <laughs> Minister of Disinformation is what she is or it is. It's a that is a man, okay? I don't care if you think it has a beautiful singing voice. That is a man. Nino Jackowitz is a man. That is a man. I guarantee it. Someone get me a uh Someone get me a, uh, a a blood sample or something, right? Right? <laughs> anyways, anyways. The witch hunt guys, they would continue to witch hunt us. Which is a good thing about Truth Social, which is the alleged good thing about uh, Twitter now. Now, I saw a story actually um, about Twitter. I think the headline read, a Teenager banned on Twitter for spreading um, woke videos on Twitter, right? You know what, I, I actually, we should pull that one up right now because the question is, when was this teenager banned? Post or pre-Elon Musk? And if it's post-Elon Musk, then why was he banned if they have uh, free speech on Twitter, right? Uh, shouldn't, should not a young teenage mind who is quite uh, entertained by all the woke jokes out there be able to spread videos? I mean, I know that some of these woke retards can get pretty cringy, but they don't really spread, you know, the uh, the pornography or the... Well, you know, they, they could spread hate speech, but according to Musk, the free speech absolutist, um... Wouldn't that mean that uh, that's okay there, right? You know, spread your hate speech and your racism on Twitter and let's see how many people will comment on your feed exactly what they think about you, right? Like you got your comeuppance, right? You got your comeuppance. Huh. So uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Well, here's the answer, guys. Here's the answer to the question. Since uh, since we're wondering about it, I told you guys headline headline. Oh, they they actually they actually uh, elevated the headline. It's no longer just a teenager; it is a conservative student at the University of North Texas. So that's hardly a teenager at all, right? Unless I guess unless they're like eighteen or nineteen. Uh, let's let's see what this has to say. Let's see what it has to say. I'm curious. When when was the date of suspension? Twitter suspends conservative University of North Texas student after she posts pictures and videos of woke crazies. Oh, is this hate speech? Oh, is this cyberbullying? Let's see. 
Well, it has a picture of the old boss, right? I don't remember his name. Does it say here? No, it doesn't. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, Parag Agrol. Parag. Okay. Well, Parag. Uh, so maybe they, maybe this suspension happened when Parag was in charge, right? And uh, Elon is going to save the day. Uh, it says here, uh, Texas College Conservative Kelly Neidert has been suspended by at Twitter for exposing leftists on a University of North Texas campus who vandalized her apartment, threatened, stalked her, and demanded she be expelled for standing up to the Alphabet Mafia woke mob. Uh, and this was tweeted by Michelle Malkin earlier this week. Okay, well, there's Michelle Malkin's tweet. Okay, suspended. Kelly Neidert. Um, let's see here. Attention parents of college age children and also all Texas conservatives. Where are you to where are you to do something? Hello at Elon Musk. Oh, well, she definitely tagged Elon and he's been pretty good about responding to those uh, controversial tweets. In her tweet, Malkin included photos of the purported notification Nidert received from the platform regarding her suspension. Your account is locked, the notification read. After careful review, we determined your account broke the Twitter rules. Your account is temporarily in read-only mode, which means you can't tweet, retweet, or like content. We've all been there, right? We've all been there. Most accounts regain full access in a week, but it could take longer, the company added. While it remains unclear which tweet triggered Neidert's suspension, the college student had recently tweeted images and videos of protesters as well as alleged vandalism left on her front door, which read, Stay home, Nazi, uh, <laughs> charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent individual. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be some graphic language on the screen. That's right. Stay home, Nazi, uh, charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talented individual. <laughs> Sorry, guys, you should have averted thine eyes if you did not want to read that, which uh, is uh, said at times. In another recent post, uh, Nidert shared a video of a pro-abortion feminist from her college having a meltdown about her pro-life sign. Do you guys want to see the meltdown? Let's see the meltdown. Let's see the meltdown. I don't think I have the sound affixed uh, uh, correctly, so let's, uh, let's fix that real quick. This will be fun. What a fun way to start the show. We have, even got, we have not even gotten into today's report just yet. Okay, let's check her out. I could only imagine, right? I'd just be like, you would need an abortion in an outfit like that anyways, because it's a terrible... Just kidding. There's no, you can't hear what she's saying. Okay, well, I have to, I have to silence it because uh, I might get, uh, I might get censored for using uh, copyright infringement. <laughs> Let's just see what this little trollop does. Let's see if she regurgitates her pea soup or her head spins in circles. Stop hitting yourself. You're going to hurt your ability to reproduce. Anyways, okay, enough of that. We're done. Okay, we got the idea. Uh, another recent tweet featured protesters staging a die-in protest on University of North Texas campus. Okay. He died with an Antifa flag over him. Wow. 
Does that look, it looks like they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for Antifers, doesn't it, right? Like they, they, they never looked anyways. Okay, let's keep on. He was probably a victim of Antifa, if not cholesterol. Neidert is also the executive director of Protect Texas Kids, a conservative grassroots group committed to exposing leftist propaganda in K-12 schools and clinics that do gender-affirming care for children under 18, according to the group's account. According to Malkin, the Twitter account for Protect Texas Kids was also locked after tweeting, 78% of trans people have another mental illness. Wow! So I don't know, Elon. It doesn't sound like you're holding up to your end of the bargain here. Uh, unless this was, you know, unless this was a rogue operation in a last-ditch effort by a scorned leftist former Twitter employee to make Elon look mad, bad, we'll give Elon the benefit of the doubt because there are there's there is no doubt that there are still leftist elements that are going to try and bring down uh, Elon Musk's highly esteemed reputation over being a free speech fighter. Okay, well, interesting story that, right? I just, I had to ask the question and check it out, guys, because I read the headline. I didn't dig into it until now. Uh, so I figured, well, why not, ladies and gentlemen? And you see, that's the perfect example of what I'm talking about, right? The censorship, the witch hunt, ladies and gentlemen. The witch hunt continues, guys. It continues. And, you know, I gotta say, what are you, where did this guy come from? John Durham. He's like, ha, don't forget about me. <laughs> Durham, you are not part of today's story, okay? Get thee out of here. Oh my goodness. That is just, that's too funny right there. <laughs> He's like, Mr. C, I was scheduled to be on your report tonight and you nixed my, you nixed my story for election integrity stories. What is wrong with you? Okay. <laughs> I tell you guys that John Durham, he pops up where he wants, right? He pops up where he wants. Okay, sorry, that was a brief bit of a derailment, guys. There must be some very important developments in the world of the John Durham investigation for it to make such an appearance here at the Sea Report in an untimely and unscheduled fashion. He's going to have to wait for... He, Durham is tomorrow, guys. We're going to talk about Durham tomorrow. That was weird, okay? So... <laughs> How did that happen? Anyways, okay, so, okay, witch hunt, okay? I was like, you know, it was the perfect, I was yeah, the perfect segue, the perfect lead-in, the perfect continuity and fluidity of stream of consciousness and the stories that I have in mind, and John Durham went and derailed it. Lord almighty, okay. Getting back to my point about the censorship and the witch hunt, not just... You know, we, we patriots, we conserve, we peop, we free thinking people who support free speech, right? We have suffered much, but it appears that the witch hunt continues for the likes of one President Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, you might have heard this headline. Uh, let me go ahead and expand that here real quick. I'm also going to reset my time real quick, guys. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, 
please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the C report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the C report. And thanks y'all. So yeah, um, uh, federal prosecutors launch grand jury investigation into Trump's handling of classified White House records taken to Mar-a-Lago. Okay. Okay. Now, like I said, we like to debunk things here at the Sea Report. I think we do it pretty good, you know, Uh, especially when it's in that timely vein of manner. But I got to say, guys, uh, this is... I think the first time that I can recall that the legacy media that is right, the uh, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda media have ran a story that we need to debunk that has already been debunked. They're getting pretty desperate, ladies and gentlemen. They're getting pretty desperate if they are running debunked stories and hoping that they will gain any amount of traction, right? Let's see what this story has to say about this latest witch hunt against President Trump, right? Prosecutors launched a grand jury investigation into Trump's handling of classified White House documents stored at the former president's Mar-a-Lago estate. The National Archives, in February, and we covered this story, asked the Justice Department to investigate Trump's handling of White House records after it raided Mar-a-Lago in January and took 15 boxes of documents. Now, if, if y'all's memory serves, you might recall that uh, there are two sides to this story. And, of course, the fake news media just seems to run with the raided story, right? Do you remember what uh, President Trump said in response to that raid? It was a lovely afternoon in Mar-a-Lago, and we had a lovely conversation with the representatives of the National Archives and Records Administration, wherein they came to my house and they asked for uh, a certain number of boxes, and we gave them to them. And they, um, you know, uh, we bid them adieu, and they had a good day, and they drove off, you know, admiring the view of the estate, right? That's President Trump's version of the story. The uh, lamestream media's version of the story is, you know, uh, several helicopters and, uh, um, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, a SWAT team raided the house of, uh, you know, former president. Don't forget former. If it's coming from the legacy media, they got to use the word former. Former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate as he was, he confiscated. No, 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 no. Not even confiscated. As he, as he stole and, and ran off with uh, um, documents classified from the White House. Two different stories here, but you know what? It's like I always say, when you get two conflicting stories and you're just not sure which one is true, uh, you, you might often want to rely on the story that comes from the side that frequently is truer than the others, right? It's a no-brainer, right? Who are we going to believe here, right? Who are we going to believe here? 
So anyways, there's that story, right? Uh, and, and CNN and MSNBC and Fox News was all reporting it the same. Uh, Trump's house raided for uh, stealing classified documents, you know, and they're still at it. And the NARA is still at it, guys. But like I said, this story has been debunked, you know? I mean, uh, ch check this headline out. Documents at Mar-a-Lago marked classified were already declassified, so saith Cash Patel. Now again, who are you going to trust? CNN, Fox News, or are you going to trust Cash Patel? You know, my money's on cash, ladies and gentlemen. My money's on cash, you know? Former top administration official guys, right? You know, seems to get the story right at least, yeah, 99% of the time. I cannot name the 1% of the time that Cash Patel did not get the story right. But at the same time, we can't give 100% to just everybody, right? You know, I still got to look you know, like I have some sort of credibility. Cash Patel, a former top Trump administration official, told Breitbart News on Wednesday that a report claiming classified materials were found at Mar-a-Lago is misleading and that the documents were actually already declassified by President Donald Trump, but the classification markings had not been updated. So just like the legacy media tends to do, right? They don't check their stories first, you know? They don't do a little bit of research first to find out whether or not what they're saying is about to be true. You think that they would have learned from all of the information that's coming out about the breakdown of the fake PP dossier and the Russia, 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 Alpha Bank collusion story. You might want to check your sources first. You might want to research just beyond the first Go Ogle search page, right? Because, you know, if they are still using Go Ogle to do their searches, and you know they are, and they didn't get the word that Go Ogle has purged all of the uh, true information out there, then they're reading their own lies, right? I mean... <laughs> They're reading their own lies. You think that if they had any sense of self-preservation or integrity, and we know they lack integrity, so if they had any sense of self-preservation for their own reputation, and you know they care about their reputation because most of them are egomaniacal narcissists, that they would at least do opposition research, which would be uh, the stories that have been censored. That would be their opposition, right? You'd think they would at least do that in order to make sure they don't look like a bunch of discredited idiots who, uh, who just basically have a really bad problem with their bowels. They're irritated all the time, right? You think they would do that. You think they would do that, but they don't. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, Cash Patel told Breitbart News Trump declassified whole sets of materials in anticipation of leading government that he thought the American public should have the right to read themselves. The White House counsel failed to generate the paperwork to change the classification markings, but that does not mean the information was not declassified. I was there with President Trump when he said we are declassifying this information. You know, that that's this story actually serves to support the very notion that uh, the only coup besides the electoral coup that was successful was the bureaucratic one. Remember, guys, I was telling you how there was a uh, there was a plan in place. Uh, to perform coups against the Trump administration on all levels, including a kinetic one that uh, that was fortunately was stopped, 
Mark Esper might know something about that. But uh, anyways, um, but there was there was definitely there were breakout workshop sessions and uh, Internet Zoom meetings had. Uh, wherein a lot of these top officials in bureaucratic agencies in Washington, D.C. were learning about how to run an effective bureaucratic coup against the administration. This might be this might be like um, this might be like one of the uh, the shadows of that. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot we did that. <laughs> I forgot we gummed up all the works and didn't do what they asked us to do. Uh, Trump asked us to declassify all these documents. Well, I'm going on vacation that week. I don't got time to do it. And when I get back, I'm going to have the flu. So we're going to take even more time, right? It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, um, a time-released trap, right, that was set against him. Does that sound paranoid? I don't think so. I don't think so. Ask Bill Barr. Anyways, so uh, yeah, getting back to this story... Uh, Patel goes on to say this story is just another disinformation campaign designed to break the public trust in a president that lived on transparency. It's yet another way to attack Trump and say he took classified information when he did not. Sounds like the makings of another wrap up smear campaign. Let's see how long this one lives. After all, like I said, the story's already been debunked and they're running with it. Uh, NBC News reported in February that the National Archives and Records Administration found items marked as classified national security information within boxes sent to Mar-a-Lago. And of course, you know the NARA is not going to do even a respectable bit of diligence to find out whether or not these um, articles were in fact declassified. In fact, you know, maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they don't have enough stripes to look into this information, right? Maybe they don't have enough stripes to go and say, hey, has this been declassified? Or, you know, what I tend to think, what I see in my mind is that uh, the people at the NARA found these documents. They all high-fived and, you know, butt-slapped each other because they finally had something on Trump, right? They're like, yes, we got him. He had classified documents in these boxes. That's and then they all went to happy hour, and then they all went over in a drunk like uh, parade over to I don't know the offices of the FBI or the CIA. No, screw that. They went straight to CNN. They went straight to uh, they went straight to NBC News and said, look at what we got. Right? You know, they didn't even check to see the validity of those documents. They just automatically assumed that President Trump went out and stole classified documents. Right? Do you think that that is a harsh characterization of the people at the NRA? Do you think that that, that my assessment of the NAR, NARA and the people that uh, um, inhabit that agency is somewhat off color or amiss? Well, guys, not if you remember the story that we ran about the NARA back in February or March about how the... What is this doing here? About how the NARA... Ladies and gentlemen, uh, they have succumbed to the altars of wokeism. You guys remember this story? It makes sense that these guys would go off in a tizzy with their panties in a wad, uh, cheering on their victory over President Trump for finding finding these uh, marked classified documents. Let's uh, let's refresh our brain here a minute. The National Archives provides a chilling taste of the institutionalized wokeism infecting America. Mm -hmm. 
I, I bet it's all coming back to you now, guys. Remember what they did? Do you remember how they classified our founding documents, guys? Remember? Remember? We, we talked about this. Last month, the National Archives and Records Administration released a report on combating the institutional racism at the National Archives. The report represents the creeping invasion of institutional wokeism, complete with calls for a new lexicon to push anti-racist terminology and a permanent bureaucracy to make sure NARA does not fall back into its institutionally racist ways. Many outlets, including PJ Media, who provided this article, have focused on NARA's recommendations for the National Archives Rotunda, which claim that the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights are not by themselves charters of freedom. So the National Archives must retire that phrase or change it. Yet the 105-page report does not just represent one organization's woke, browbeating struggle session. It also exposes how Marxist critical race theory and other ideologies entrench themselves in an institution. The report says racism is embedded in the history and current practices of the NARA. Dismantling such structural racism will, will require vast changes to the NARA's work culture at every level, as well as an ongoing and active commitment to anti-racist work throughout the agency's future. The executive summary gives three examples of structural racism, including a preponderance of BIPOC. I don't know what that means, but I'm about to find out. A preponderance of black indigenous people of color in low paying, lower status jobs. It's not whose fault is it that, that they chose to go and apply to work there? Really? Wow. It's as if though they were assigned to work at the National Archives and Records Administration, huh? Uh, it says also lower status jobs and the preponderance of white people in higher paying, higher status jobs. Uh, legacy descriptions that use racial slurs uh, to describe the black indigenous people of color communities and a rotunda in the flagship building that lauds wealthy white men in the nation's founding while marginalizing uh, black indigenous and people of color women and other communities. In order to counter supposed institutionalized racism at the National Archives, NARA would institutionalize a new bureaucracy at all levels of the organization staffing the agency with activists dedicated to a leftist agenda. The NARA report presents the recommendations of a task force on racism to identify and recommend solutions to issues, both explicit and implicit. That's insane, isn't it, guys? Is not it insane? So getting past all of this, uh, all, all the stuff that they want to do, uh, does this, ar this article mention what they have already done? Let me see if it, ta if it shows a tag here, guys. Um, uh, that's a pretty deep well to fall down. Lord almighty. So uh, this article must have been published before they did. You know, they, they have already actually put little plaques on the founding documents that says um, it, it, uh, that they're racist documents, basically, and that uh, they're considered hateful. Isn't that crazy? 
Like, if you were to go to the NARA today, right, their flagship building, and you were to look at, like, the Constitution or, you know, the Bill of Rights, it, it would say that this document is systemically racist, right? That's insane, guys. So, you know, it makes sense. It makes total sense that the NARA could be imagined to react in such a way to a victory over President Trump. Mm -hmm. They still haven't got the memo, right, about dear old Teflon Don here. Nope, they sure have not, guys. But uh, may the witch hunt continue. Uh, may, may the, uh, may the uh, uh, legacy media fake news organizations continue to self-destruct in all of their um, inglorious activities, right? Mm -hmm. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, I think we can get into our actual report for today. Uh, these stories found no place in today's report. I had to share them. I mean, come on, debunking a debunked claim is always a fun thing to do. Uh, so we have a statement, a singular statement from uh, President Trump today, ladies and gentlemen. It is a very, uh, how, would I, how would you say, this is a very polarizing statement from President Trump. You want to talk about divisiveness? I dare say that there are some out there within the ranks of Make America Great Again patriots and otherwise, uh, you know, Trump-supporting patriots that would say, we always knew that division in, uh, in the, on the right would, uh, would weaken our ranks, but we could never imagine that President Trump would be the main progenitor of such divisiveness. Uh, which means, guys, if you haven't read the statement, uh, you're probably very curious what I'm talking about. Hold on to your horses, people, particularly if you're a voter in Pennsylvania. Let's go. President Trump's statement for today, May the 12th, says, Kathy Barnett. Oh, I could already feel the hair standing up in the room, guys. Kathy Barnett will never be able to win the general election against the radical left Democrats. She has many things in her past which have not been properly explained or vetted. But if she is able to do so, she will have a wonderful future in the Republican Party. And I will be behind her all the way. Get ready, guys. Get ready. Get ready. More, uh, more blood pressures are about to rise. Dr. Oz is the only one who will be able to easily defeat the crazed lunatic Democrat in Pennsylvania. A vote for anyone else in the primary is a vote against victory in the fall. And just like that, ladies and gentlemen, you see the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania just rip asunder. <laughs> it's not funny, I know, but, you know, it's interesting, right? Very interesting, you know? Very interesting. Gotta wonder what the good um, voters of Pennsylvania are thinking about this one, right? I said, guys, I'm very happy that I am not in Pennsylvania because... Boy, gee almighty, I would just be, uh, I would just be ripped in several directions. But at the same time, I would also have done as much work as I can into digging into Kathy Barnett, because I already have an opinion on Dr. Oz, right? But I already have an opinion on the entire, this entire fiasco, period. So I'm going to leave that there 
for a moment, right? We'll, we'll get back to it. But um, the, the question comes to mind, what exactly does Kathy Barnett have in her past, right? Um, and and uh, uh, why is it not yet evident? And, and why would someone say such a thing without bringing it to the table, right? Why would someone bring something without bringing it to the table? Uh, then I saw this article, the article I'm about to share with you guys. And my thing was, um, is this what's in Kathy's past that has got Trump such, like, uh, against her? <laughs> article says... Kathy Barnett attacked Trump in 2016. GOP primary, horrid, very little substance, moral character is questionable. Now, there were a whole bunch of, you know, uh, conservatives and so-called Republicans that were saying the exact same thing about President Trump. Now, admittedly, most of the Republicans who were attacking Trump this way were rhinos. They were rhinos if memory reserves, or, uh, no, memory is reserved if memory recalls, right? If memory recalls. But, you know, at the same time, I was kind of like, you know, is this, is this the dark history? Is this the skeleton in the closet of Kathy Barnett? that would provide her a beautiful future in the GOP if she only rectified it. You know, I mean, it seems kind of petty, don't you think? It seems kind of petty that President Trump would support someone whom many, I would say, at least in the Trump, no, not even in the Trump movement. We saw Pennsylvania. Everyone there was rooting for Dr. Oz. I don't know, guys. I'm really confused about Pennsylvania. That's all I got to say, okay? I'm really confused about the state of Pennsylvania because they were all rooting for, of course, you know, uh, um, um, yeah, Mr. Uh, Love Himself himself, uh, Sean Hannity. So that's another little bit of a confusing piece here, guys. That's another th bit of a confusing piece. And uh, Just Jules, good evening. How's it going? Just Jules makes a good point. It's whatever is, is whatever is in her past worse than Dr. Oz being a World Economic Forum globalist. That's a good question. And rightly asked, Just Jules, rightly asked, you know. Uh, but so Breitbart runs this article about Kathy Barnett, right? Like this has totally polarized. This has saturated the Pennsylvania um, uh, primary headlines, right? It, sh it certainly has. I mean, no one's even talking about the senator's race, you know? I mean, the governor's race, okay? Uh, it says here, uh, oh, let, let me expand this for you guys. Uh, Pennsylvania Republican U.S. Senate candidate Kathy Barnett was not always in favor of now former President Donald Trump. You know, I don't even know that Kathy Barnett is in favor of Donald Trump. I don't even know that she's ever referred to herself as a make America great again uh, candidate or supporter. I mean, I would guess, uh, based on uh, the things I have seen about her, that she's definitely uh, an America first candidate. But that does not equate to a MAGA candidate, right? I'm sure we could all agree on the, uh, you know, the differences there as, um, as uh, um, uh, peculiar or as, as small as they might be, right? Uh, but, you know, I mean, good questions. In a series of tweets and other comments during the 2016 GOP presidential primary, Barnett, who was a fan of Senator Ted Cruz, a rhino, 
<laughs> no, he's done good work, guys. I mean, you know, when we're talking about redemption and we're talking about, you know, uh, turning over a leaf, I would say Ted Cruz's current record is better than his former record. But at the same time, and it's not worse than Senator Cornyn's record, right? Anyways, let's just not even talk about Texas for now. It says, after a debate in September 2015, for instance, Barnett said Trump was horrid. She says, did you see uh, D... Did you see D last presidential debate? Okay, that's it. Any person who's, who uses D, day, or does when they are communicating anyway, I just totally write off, right? Check out D's cool... I just cannot stand it. Anyways, even hashtag Rubio... Challenge demoderator. I get. It. I get it. She's trying to save. She's trying to save characters, right? Small, small character capability on Twitter. A challenge demoderator to ask him a demanding question. Okay. She also said in another September 26, 2015 tweet that Trump would be good for beers and barbecue, but not as president. Barnett said of Trump, adding that we are so morally bankrupt for even considering Trump. We are so morally bankrupt, we can never see D differ. Is she Jamaican? Anyways, Barnett also uh, that day, while Barack Obama was still the president, called Trump just as liberal as the leaders we currently have in office, which is actually a true assessment. I think a lot of us made of President Trump back in the day, right? Hashtag morality matters. Hmm, that sounds kind of leftist. And Trump does not rank high in it because she knows him personally, right? Uh, she also said in another tweet that while she likes Trump, he's nothing more than headlines. And he's proven to be so actually since uh, time in memorial, it seems. And with Trump, there is very little substance uh, no, no, we have hashtag Cruz and hashtag Ben Carson. I like hashtag Trump 2016. He's a riot, but he's nothing more than headlines. Very little substance. Uh, she said, too, that Trump's moral character is questionable and that he is braggado braggadocious. Oh, she sounds like the uh, she sounds like the uh, the Ministry of Truth uh, thing. Braggadocious plus constant jabs plus four bankrupt four plus brags bending rules. Uh, Trump 2016 moral quest character is questionable. When Dr. Ben Carson endorsed Trump in 2016, Barnett tweeted that there is a real disconnect for me in Carson endorsing Trump over Cruz. As of the publication of this article, Barnett still has all of these tweets published on her Twitter feed. In her book published in February 2020, um, Barnett even says Trump was last on her list of choices in the 2016 GOP primary, meaning that she liked Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, Chris Christie, and John Kasich over Trump. Now that actually does speak to me a little bit. That means she would have voted for Jeb Bush over Donald Trump? I'm just saying, guys. I'm just saying. I'm not calling into question the candidacy of Kathy Barnett, but I am calling into question that line of reasoning, okay? Because we already know the political history of the Bush family, okay? 
at, at this point, Trump was still an unknown political force. And there's no voting record, right? There's only hearsay and Hollywood about Trump. In all honesty, I was not a Trumper initially, Barnett wrote, wrote on page 33 of her book. 33? 33? And she talks about President Trump. Does that mean that he's a Mason? Well, well, actually, we're not even going to go into that conversation. I apologize. With the likes of former Governor Mike Huckabee, neurosurgeon Ben Carson, and Senator Ted Cruz, there was no way on God's green earth I was intending to vote for the television and business mogul. We had just too many good options to resort to voting for him. Out of 16 presidential candidates... Donald Trump was number 16 on my preferred list. I still would have put Jeb Bush after him, you know, even if I had a bias. And let's not forget, guys, uh, Trump was not my horse in the race. So he was not number one for me. And Jeb Bush was still behind him anyways. So as you guys can imagine, yes, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of consternation coming out of this race. A lot of hair pulling for Make America Great Again, uh, you know, voters and Americans and patriots and just people in general. Because let's just face it, guys, Dr. Oz has still left a terrible taste in most of our mouths, mine's included, right? I'm not for Dr. Oz, but uh, I'm also not voting in Pennsylvania. So the decision is, uh, it's not like I could be like, can we sue... Can we sue the state of Pennsylvania because they brought Dr. Oz in and his decisions will affect the rest of the country, right? I can't do that, you know, as much as, you know, we might want to. But at the same time, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what I have come uh, to feel about this matter, and I know you're not asking, but I'm going to say it anyways, you know, is that um, Donald Trump even though he's in his second administration and we, the people who know best, should uh, feel that he should know better than to endorse someone who is obviously outwardly and with some bits of history who would otherwise be considered a globalist, a leftist, a supporter of abortions and jabs and all of that stuff. In fact, I know I heard that Oz did support the jab, but I also heard that that's why he was no longer featured on Oprah, because he was against children taking the jab, at least, or something like that. Some reason over the jab, Dr. Oz got booted off of Oprah, right? Or was she already off the air? No, she went. That's what I heard. Anyways, so don't quote me on that, right? And it's not ammunition for Oz either. I'm totally neutral on this point at this point. No pun intended, jab. But, you know, we, the people who know so much better than President Trump, whom has um, uh, quite masterfully maneuvered the, uh, you know, the playing field since he has been in office, right, should all at once, because we know better, right, wash our hands of the decisions that he makes when, in fact, we don't even know what the heck is going on behind this entire fiasco. And it is a fiasco. It has become quite a fiasco, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we have an entire primary uh, election field before us, and all we can do is focus on Barnett and Oz and Trump. Uh, but, you know, if we're going to look at this at a more strategic point of view, right? 
wouldn't you say that all of this publicity has definitely set Kathy Barnett up for more attention moving forward? And we don't even know because uh, lo and behold, November has not yet arrived on our doorsteps. We don't even know what's going to happen between Oz and Trump between now and then, right? Now, the thing that I was contending was that um, just as Trump suffers the spotlight and suffers, uh, clearly suffers a whole bunch of um, scrutiny from his base included, but more so from his, uh, his opponents and his enemies, whether they're political, business, or in the media, you know, uh, he could very well be seeing exactly how much pressure Dr. Oz can stand. Or maybe, maybe he's, uh, maybe he's uh, putting Dr. Oz's, Oz out there in order to see exactly how much dirt his base digs up. Maybe with all of the information that's going to come out on Dr. Oz, uh, Trump might be forced to retract his endorsement. And when he does so, Kathy Barnett's going to be there to take the nomination. What if Oz deflects by November? Kathy Barnett's already right behind him. I mean, uh, Tam Growl in the chat room says, uh, Trump holds grudges, and he does. Or at least it seems so, right? Maybe it's just uh, divine or karmic justice, and, you know, it just... So happens that Trump is there whenever, you know, that uh, karmic justice comes into play. Do you guys think that Trump is an instrument of karma? In other words, he knowingly, consciously, willingly, and vindictively goes after those who have wronged him? May? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I, I tend to think it's more like, you know, the universe or something. Because he's been so egregiously wrong and he's been put in a place that's been so um, egregiously right, right? I mean, come on, what is he doing? He is making every attempt to restore the Republic. He's made, he did wonderful at restoring the respect and the fear. And by fear, I don't mean, oh, they're afraid, but I mean, they respect these United States of America. He did a pretty good job at that. He did, he did a pretty good job of bringing God back into the country and back into the conversation when everyone else was either denying it or they were just uh, adamantly and, and outwardly trying to destroy it or get it out of the conversation, erase it, right? That's true too there as well, you know. He brought back an entire, he brought back an entire level of respectability that our country had lost, you know, among other things, guys. So I don't know. That's why I think it's the universe, right? People wronged him so much and defamed him so much uh, and, and destroyed the morality of a nation so badly that God was like, well, we're going to throw some, we're going to throw some bones your way, President Trump. Kind of what goes through my mind, but you guys, we, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. I just, uh, I'm just glad I'm not in Pennsylvania, guys. <laughs> I'm just glad I am not in Pennsylvania because I would not want to be caught up in this cluster. You know what, right? That is quite the debacle there. But uh, 
I pray for my brothers and sisters in Pennsylvania uh, to have the discernment, the wherewithal, and the strength to carry on with whatever happens on Tuesday, okay? <laughs> with whatever happens on Tuesday. And you know, um, a good patriot is not a cult of personality type, you know? We're not. We're not. We are going to go to the party or to the person that best represents and has a good record of that which we are fighting for and or believe in. So we'll see what happens come Tuesday. But don't forget, guys, we got a whole hearing on UFOs on Tuesday in Congress. So who cares about Pennsylvania, right? Who cares about Pennsylvania? We know what we care about Pennsylvania here at the Sea Report. We care about that Keystone Commonwealth, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we're also going to talk about the governor's race. Oh, guys, we got a rhino on the screen. Okay, we got a rhino on the screen, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Jake Corman, Jake the Snake Corman. Now we play that rhino alert in honor of the fact that a lot of um, a lot of uh, America First, uh, Make America Great Again patriots haven't figured out that he's a rhino yet. <laughs> They're saying give Jake Corman the benefit of doubt. I hope, I hope, I hope all of my hard work here at the Sea Report, which is not intended to influence but to inform has helped, it sounds like they are destroying the kitchen, anyways, uh, has helped uh, has helped one to formulate a discerning opinion on Jake Corman, right? I hope so. I hope so. Uh, uh, to inform, not to influence, guys, you know? You don't got to follow my lead, uh, but the information is there either way. So we're going to look at a little bit of two sides of the coin in regards to this governor's race. That's right, guys. I dug up some dirt on Senator Mastriano, and I'm going to see what you got to say about that, right? I am not playing devil's advocate here, nor am I trying to drive you guys crazy. Trust me. We're, we're, we're going somewhere with this, okay? All right. So uh, apparently, Rhino Jake Corman took the hint. He saw the reading. He saw the reading. He read the, re he read the writing on the wall. Jake Corman did. And uh, he decided to drop out of the governor's race. Well, you know, when you have a very strong opponent whom I think Corman has some type of personal vendetta against. I don't know what it is. I don't know what Doug Mastriano did to Jake Corman in a past life that Jake Corman has just countered and shadowed and made every move possible to make Doug Mastriano's life a living hell, ladies and gentlemen, a living hell. It's almost like the, actually, it's far worse than the Robin Voss, Tim Rantham vendetta, right? It's worse than that because uh, Doug Mastriano was like, fine, you want to kick me out of my, uh, you want to kick me out of my committee into election integrity? You want to stop my process and bringing justice and, um, and truth to the people of Pennsylvania who want to know what happened in 2020 at the elections? And uh, you want to lie to the world about it? Well, fine, Jake Corman, you can be the Senate pro tempore president. I'm going to run for governor. And, and then so Jake was like, well, I'm going to run for governor too. <laughs> but you know what? Jake Corman's smart. You know why? 
Or maybe it's not that he's smart. Maybe it's just that he could not stand up to Doug Mastriano, the number one and leading contender for the governor's race in Pennsylvania, saying, well, Jake Corman's just a single digit midget. (laughs) And then having some type of, uh, having some type of, I don't know, insecurity, Jake Corman was like, it's time for me to slither away. (laughs) He knew he wasn't going to make it. A single digit midget, Jake Corman is. Man, talk about the shrinkage in that uh, legislative state house, ladies and gentlemen, when Doug Mastriano said that about Jake Corman, right? I knew I smelled a rhino with Jake Corman just analyzing the situation that happened between he and Doug Mastriano when it came to what was to have been the Pennsylvania forensic audit of the 2020 election. But everyone seemed to forget about that. Even Daddy Bannon seemed to forget about it. But I think he remembered. I think he remembered Uh, If you guys recall that last um, interview that we played between Steve Bannon and Doug Mastriano, who, in a class act move, decided not to do any press about what was going on with the uh, the um, the review that Jake Corman was having of the uh, 2020 election, not talking about his um, governor's run, not making any responses to Jake Corman's uh, decision to run the race and counter Doug Mastriano in a class act move. Doug Mastriano took it upon himself to have media silence. Okay, media silence. And in particularly on Bannon's war room, because that's where this uh, vendetta came to a head. And that's why we replayed all of those events here at the Sea Report. So you guys could see and discern for yourself who you think was telling the truth in this regard. And uh, if your uh, gut feeling was as sharp as it should have been, uh, you, you, could, you could read the lies right out of Jake Corman's mouth. And he continued to lie about Doug Mastriano. Bold-faced lies as if though no one had ever paid attention to anything and no one ever knew what the story was. You know, aside from telling his constituents and the people of America that Doug Mastriano quit the uh, forensic audit committee in Pennsylvania, besides lying that he bowed out, do you know what also Jake Corman said? Jake Corman said that Senator Chris Dush who is currently now in charge of this election review, right? That's already about nine months. The the digestion gestation period for this interview is almost about as long as a human's life if it's not aborted. And you know what? Doug Mastriano might just abort this entire review if I, if I, you know, if I'm right about anything I've ever talked about. But um, uh, Jake Corman told everybody, that Senator Chris Dush was the leader of the delegate that went over to Arizona. In fact, Senator Chris Dush was the man who dreamed up this committee and was fighting for the people and was out there and he was all about the forensic audit. Now, I am not demeaning Chris Dush in any way. Chris Dush, as far as I can tell, has absolutely been for, has stood for election integrity, has been, he was in fact a member of the delegate that went to Arizona. 
But again, you got to wonder exactly what kind of a vendetta does Jake Corbin have against uh, Doug Mastriano? Because everybody knows, especially if you're a member of my audience, we watched all the delegates go to Arizona. We watched uh, Senator Doug Mastriano lead that delegation. Okay, we watched him talk and interviewed about it. And Chris Dush always stood behind him right at his backside and was always supporting Doug Mastriano the entire way. Chris Dush was there, but he was not the leader. Uh, like, what is the reason for Jake Corman to want to defame and lie about a fellow senator in such a way? Well, it does absolutely call into question his integrity as a leader, right? I would think so. If he can lie about uh, his peer and, and, and lie about his uh, involvement in derailing election integrity and then try and run on a platform of election integrity... Just to keep what does he does, does he really think that little about his constituents? Does he really think that little about the people that he represents that he's going to boldface lie to them and then he's going to prop that carrot in front of them and say, I'm going to I'm going to bring election integrity to the state of Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth. When he's had over eight months to do something about it and he's done nothing. And then at the same time, when things were getting done, he totally chopped the head off of that committee. Jake Corman. Do I need to play the Rhino song again, guys? <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if I need to say anything more about this. I have an article, Pennsylvania Governor Race, Corman quits. He endorses Barletta. He doesn't even endorse. What did Doug do? I really am curious to know. We got to get the skinny on this. This is hot gossip around the water cooler at uh, in Washington, D.C. What on earth did Doug Mastriano do to Jake Corman that Corman has been forced to show himself for the rhino that he is? Because he has. And I told you guys, the closer we get to truth, the closer we get to restoring our republic, we are going to see more funnier and funnier things uh, that make us kind of wonder... Uh, whose side is that guy really on? I know people are saying the same thing about Trump with Oz right now, right? Uh, whose side is Trump really on? Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you guys. I asked myself that same question. It is a fair question to ask, you know? It's a fair question to ask. We'll, we'll just, uh, we'll skim this briefly. Pennsylvania Senate President Pro Tempore Jake Corman has announced that he is dropping out of the Republican primary race for governor. Corman made the announcement Thursday, May 12th, after he was called a single-digit midget during a joint press conference with gubernatorial candidate Lou Barletta at the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association in Harrisburg. Corman used that time to endorse Barletta. And, uh, well, I think that's all we got to share about that story, guys. <laughs> that's all we got to share about that story. I mean, you know... Maybe Corman did take a hint. Why do you think Doug Mastriano is surging in the polls in Pennsylvania? Why do you think that Doug Mastriano has a double-digit lead over his opponent right to his backside? Why do you think that with all of this hubbub and fanfare about Oz and Barnett, with literally zero press coverage about Mastriano or even the governor's race, Doug Mastriano is still taking the lead. He was not even on Steve Bannon's war room for the last eight or nine months. How on earth is it that Doug Mastriano has the lead for the governor's race primary GOP 
And yet we've had like a media blackout on him, right? Do you think it might have something to do with the fact that awake Americans remember and recognize a real leader and someone who really is uh, fighting for a cause that they want? I'm willing to bet that the people of Pennsylvania absolutely remember who led that delegation to Arizona to view that forensic audit. I bet they're, I'm willing to bet they remember who was the spearhead, right? Who was the firebrand for election integrity and election audits in the Commonwealth before Jake Corman came and lopped his head off and stripped him of his committee and his duties to the people of the Commonwealth. I'm willing to bet that's why Doug Mastriano has a double-digit lead in the governor's race in Pennsylvania, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? Election integrity is absolutely important to the people of the Commonwealth. I mean, considering everything that they suffered in the 2020 race, considering everything that they suffered in the 2021 primaries, and let's not forget there was a lot of fishy business during the primaries with the machines, guys. We, we read the reports here at the Sea Report. We shared the stories. But check this out, guys. It appears that we've had a group of 70 political activists. Not a group of 70 political activists. I take that back. 70 political activist groups. Yeah, that kind of broadens out the field there, right? 70 political activist groups have come together demanding election integrity in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. This article from the Epoch Times says, representatives from more than 70 political activism groups in Pennsylvania are demanding that their legislators repeal no excuse mail-in voting and secure the Commonwealth's election process. Many of them gathered at the Capitol uh, in Harrisburg on May 11th. Leaders from each group signed an election integrity declaration calling for the legislature to return the law to in-person voting on election day, with the exceptions noted in the election code as it read as it read before the implementation of Act 77 in 2019. Now we're going to talk about Act 77 in just a moment, guys. It says it also asks that voters be required to provide photo identification, proof of U.S. citizenship and state residency, and that the state use hard copy paper ballots. The group representatives delivered copies of the declaration to the office of every state lawmaker. In 2019, this legislature under Republican control enacted a law that brought us to mail-in voting in Pennsylvania, said Sam Faddis of Unite Pennsylvania in a speech at the Capitol Rotunda. We did not ask for them to do that. They did not consult with us before doing that. They simply imposed that change despite the fact that mail-in voting has been regarded forever as a gift to those who want to engage in electoral fraud and election theft, Faddis said, adding that Act 77 then got worse after the state Supreme Court and then Secretary of State got their hands on it. Act 77 created a new option to vote by mail without needing an excuse, which had previously been required for voters using absentee ballots. It also allowed for a 50-day mail-in voting period, the longest vote-by-mail period in the country, extended the deadline to register to vote from 30 days before an election to just 15 days, and extended mail-in and absentee submission deadlines from the Friday before an election to 8 p.m. on election day. 
In 2020, we paid the price for that with an election filled with all sorts of irregularities and allegations of fraud. That election remains in dispute to this day, Faddis said, noting that the implications of a disputed election are felt nationally. For 18 months, we have asked the legislature to rectify this mistake and fix the election system. We have asked, we have pleaded, we have requested. For 18 months, we have received platitudes of Jake Corman, soothing noises and rough promises that something, sometime, somehow will be done. If anyone were to ask why, you know, um, um, Pennsylvania has got nothing done, and, and if I'm not mistaken, and I might be, but I believe that the GOP has some um, some uh, some power in the local state house, right? I don't know if it's the Senate or if it's if it's you know if it's the representatives, uh, the congressmen there, but but they do have a, they do have a majority somewhere in Pennsylvania, don't they? And they still have gotten nothing done, right? Well, you know, again, guys, are we taking note? Are we taking notes of all of the rhinos in place? 90 to 95% of them on Capitol Hill and in the state houses need to go. Are we taking notes? Uh, did, did all of the elected officials in uh, Pennsylvania decide to hand over all of their election integrity responsibilities to Jake Corman? And then Jake Corman successfully killed it? delayed it because that's exactly what it sounds like this representative faddis of these uh, integrity uh, grassroots um is saying right uh, an entirely different picture is being painted here wouldn't you say guys right wouldn't you say um it says the may 11th gathering in harrisburg was the result of organizations efforts by faddis to unite the many like-minded political groups operating in pennsylvania in April, people in leadership from 44 separate right-leaning political groups that respect the United States Constitution met in Allentown to organize around election integrity laws. The groups included Moms for Liberty, Council of American Patriots, Lehigh Valley Tea Party, Women for Trump, East Pennsylvania, uh, We the People for Pennsylvania, Audit the Vote Pennsylvania, Grassroots Unite Pennsylvania, Berks County Patriots, and many others. During the meeting, they created and unified around the declaration that demands changes to election law. In the weeks that followed, more groups joined the effort. Now, the movement has more than 70 participating organizations. With just days before the May 17th primary, nothing has been done to address the issue, Faddis said in his rotunda speech, and Pennsylvania will go into the next election with the same broken mechanisms that were used in 2020. We are done asking, we are done requesting, we are demanding, and we are telling you, as the people from whom all power derives, that you will change this. Well, I like the sound of that, ladies and gentlemen. I like the sound of that. So, uh, well, there you go, guys. They are uniting. It says here, all the cooperating groups are right-leaning. Republicans should not assume they are safe from the scrutiny of these 70 groups. And I'm pretty sure the um, uh, Mastriano vote right now against Corman might have something to do with that. You know, it might not even have to do with Mastriano. Because after all, there are other people. There were like three other candidates ahead of Corman. They recognize a snake, ladies and gentlemen. I think... The people of the Commonwealth recognize a rhino when they see one.
Mm -hmm. They just don't recognize, <laughs> they just don't recognize Sean Hannity, apparently, as a rhino. So, um, well, there you go, guys. That's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty heartening article, if you ask me. That's a pretty heartening article, you know. Shows you absolutely why the enemy does not want us to unite and come together. Because look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. Very, very cool, guys. Very, very cool. So, you know, um, uh, they brought up Act 77, guys. Act 77. So let's talk a little bit about that real quick. It, it was mentioned that it was the, uh, it was the, in fact, the Republicans who brought that into play. In fact... Senator Doug Mastriano and Jake Corman themselves voted for Act 77 in Pennsylvania. Wait, 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 what? You mean the very man who's fighting for election integrity and transparency in Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, also voted for Act 77? Well, let it be clear, guys, it's true. You know, it's true. And in fact, you know, Doug Mastriano has been called out on this. Jake Corman couldn't use this against him because obviously Corman was for it. Uh, here was a, actually, this was a very, very, um, uh, this was a very heated article. Okay, now apparently, if I'm not mistaken, this is the Breitbart article. Breitbart um, released this article and uh, Mastriano went off on them, apparently. Uh, let's see what it has to say real quick, right? Questioning the integrity of Doug Mastriano. Uh, Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano, who has recently positioned himself as a leading advocate for the Keystone State's fight for election integrity, joined his Republican colleagues in voting for the measure Act 77, which arguably caused many of the issues seen during the 2020 election, particularly permitting no excuse voting in exchange for the abolishment of straight ticket voting. Mastriano, who is reportedly considering a gubernatorial bid, has recently put himself at the forefront of the state GOP's pursuit of election integrity, standing as one of the three state Republicans who toured Arizona's audit site at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Phoenix. Uh, while he said he is not about overturning everything, he appeared to support an audit so lawmakers can find out what went right and what went wrong and how do we have better elections in the future. Mastriano told WEEOFM they intend to bring the information back to the state Senate leadership. And we all remember about this. Now, uh, Pennsylvania Republicans, however, have largely failed to address their role in Pennsylvania's chaotic and controversial 2020 presidential election procedures, which dates back to their approval of Act 77 in 2019. Far-left Democrat Governor Tom Wolf signed the bill into law on October 31st, 2019, but Republicans at the time did not see mail-in voting as an electoral liability. Rather, Republicans were focused on ridding straight ticket voting. So what it sounds like is going on here is that in order to get rid of one thing, they allowed another, which is something that is very commonplace when we're talking about the wheeling and dealing and the left and the right of, you know, the Senate and, uh, you know, the, uh, the House and, and all, all the things that go into um, lawmaking, right? <clears throat> commonplace, right? Even some of the best will be like, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll relent a little bit on this so we can get that right. Now, does that make it right? No, does it make it right? Uh, does that make them human? Maybe, right? You know, uh, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself prior to learning more about Act 77 that this was passed in 2020 during the pandemic, right? And like, oh, well, you know, apparently they got cut up in their fear 
And uh, they decided to go ahead and approve these uh, mail-in measures, mail-in voting measures, because of the pandemic. Come to find out, it was in 2019, well before the pandemic. Well, not maybe so far before the pandemic, but before anyone would have thought that this could have happened. In an event, in, 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 in a move to get rid of straight ticket voting, right, they went ahead and conceded to mail-in voting before they knew what true harm it could do. Because after all, in 2019, there were no absentee uh, ballot drop boxes. There was no uh, push the vote for Democrats to get out and vote by mail. There was no, uh, you know, Zuckerbucks. None of that stuff existed in 2019, that they could have used, you know, the uh, the looking glass device to see that they should vote against mail-in voting. Now, am I making excuse for it? No, I'm not. I'm just providing a perspective. After all, I'm not in Pennsylvania, so I have no, you know, I don't have any hair in the race or on my head. So, as I'm saying, guys, uh, in my view, it's understandable why the Republicans decided to go ahead and concede on that point. Do I think it's right? No, I don't. Because I don't agree with it at all unless it is absolutely necessary, right? For mail-in voting, right? I'm I'm stuck in an iron lung or you know, I'm I'm offshores somewhere. I can't vote in person, so I need an absentee ballot, you know? So that's perspective, guys. That's perspective. Because you better believe that people have been going after Mastriano because of Act 77. And so people have asked him about it. Look, here's this article right here. Uh, Mastriano reacts to Act 77 court ruling. He reiterates call for immediate vote on election integrity package. So what's this about? It says, What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com. That's www.thecreport.com. And be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pill.net. Um, uh, Doug Mastriano issued the following statement following today's ruling from the Commonwealth Court that found Act 77 to be unconstitutional. He says, I welcome the eventual end of no excuse mail-in voting in Pennsylvania. I've introduced legislation earlier this session that does just that. Following its passage in 2019, Act 77 was unconstitutionally rewritten by the Democrat majority Supreme Court, Governor Wolf, and Secretary of State acting Bookvar. Those changes removed critical safeguards prior to the 2020 election. All mail-in ballots were to be signature verified and turned in by election day to count. Defective mail-in ballots were not to be counted and poll watchers were expected to be permitted to adequately observe the counting of all mail-in ballots at every location. Uh, 
In the after aftermath of the chaotic 2020 election, I drafted, introduced, and co-primed several bills to restore integrity to our elections. SB 403 repeals no excuse voting. SB 573 expands number of poll watchers and levies stronger penalties against those who impede, impede or block them. SB 735 constitutional amendment to mandate use of voter identification. Uh, SB 819 and 821 removes Secretary of State from oversight of elections and establishes the election commission. SB 884 constitutional amendment to end no excuse mail in voting and mandate uh, signature verification. It's important that we get these bills out of the Senate and over to the House for consideration. We have waited long enough to take meaningful action to adequately secure future elections. The Commonwealth Court decision will be appealed by the Wolf Administration and Act 77 will remain in place pending a decision from the state Supreme Court. So that there paints another question, another, an, another picture, I apologize. Uh, because like in this hit piece, candidates hit Corman and Mastriano on mail-in voting. They're depending on the constituency to not know all the fine details of what happened. It passes in 2019. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, no sight of uh, abuse that comes to mind from, uh, you know, that's why they say we will never let it happen again because now we know, right? Uh, Doug Mastriano was already trying to get that, but, but what did it say? What was, what was the fine point in that measure? That Act 77 was passed in 2019, but then Governor Wolf, Acting Secretary of Commonwealth Kathy Bookfar, and the Supreme Court changed the language of Act 77 so that it was no longer just about mail-in balloting. It was about a whole bunch of other things, you know, all these things that only helped the theft in 2020. Uh, See, so it says all 10 of the candidates seeking the office have weighed in on the topic in interviews at forums and debate stages, and they blame the flare up over the state's electoral process um, at the two GOP candidates who helped pass the controversial no excuse mail in voting in 2020, but they did not pass it in 2020. They passed it in 2019. Uh, State Senate President Pro Tempore Jake the Rhino Snake Corman and Senator Doug Mastriano both voted for the legislation widely known as Act 77 that allowed the mail-in voting option. Now, as gubernatorial candidates, they want to do away with that voting option, which has led their Republican opponents to accuse them of flip-flopping. Um, let's, let's start with Corman. Um... Corman, who came close to dropping out of the race until he said former President Trump convinced him to stay in it and fight, said he is not calling for repealing Act 77. Check that out. So he's not going to repeal it, but rather he wants to gut the part that allowed the mail-in ballots and gave rise to uh, election security issues. That's crazy, right? Because let's not forget that was changed by the governor, the secretary of the Commonwealth, and also the Supreme Court. Mastriano recently issued a statement explaining his about face on mail-in voting, saying that the Supreme Court rewrote that law and made changes that completely undermined our legislative intent and removed critical safeguards prior to the 2020 election. He says, I will continue to fight for election integrity, and as governor, I'll have the power to ensure that our elections are administered correctly and lawfully. 
Now, a rhino like Corman could not respond like that. And in fact, as we saw in the previous article, Mastriano not only intends to repeal, not gut it, to repeal Act 77, but also provide further measures to strengthen that. In fact, if you guys recall Mastriano's conversation with Bannon, it's quite curious that everything that Corman was attempting to run on as governor per election integrity were already measures... They were already measures that uh, Doug uh, Mastriano had um, offered to the legislative body to make a decision on, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty interesting, huh? Pretty interesting. It's going to be a fun time on Tuesday, I'm sure, particularly for Pennsylvania voters. All right, guys, we only got a couple of more stories and we'll wrap up for tonight. Thanks for being here for our 300th episode. A couple more stories to go, all involving elections, etc. Fun stuff, guys. Uh, so uh, we seem to have another rhino on the screen here. Robin Voss, ladies and gentlemen. Robin, you know, I'm getting tired of covering you here at the Sea Report. Can you just go away? Like, man, I swear, Robin Voss gets more airtime on the Sea Report than he does in his home state of Wisconsin. <coughs> Anyhow, guys, a real quick update on the Gableman investigation in Wisconsin. It appears that Robin Voss, the rhino, has suspended the investigation, right? Yeah, all of us are kind. All of us kind of got the uh, the Gableman face on right now, right? We're like, huh? Really? Really, Robin Voss? After everything we've been through, you're gonna suspend my investigation? <laughs> well, what's up with that, right? What is up with that? Okay, Relanon, here it comes. Here it comes. This is for Robin Voss. Okay, not not for Michael Gableman, but but Robin Voss. That's right. Rhino alert. Robin Voss. The only thing is we don't need to alert anyone about Robin Voss being a rhino. Everyone knows that now. It's about the rhino hunting season. That's what we're doing here right now at the Sea Report. So let's let's learn a little bit about this uh, suspension of the investigation. Right when it was getting good, right? Right when it was getting good. Uh, it says an investigation into Wisconsin's 2020 election was paused by Assembly Speaker Rhino Robin Voss in an announcement on May 11th amid several legal battles. Um, former Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman was commissioned last year by Voss to probe the election results and allegations of fraud. However, the investigation has faced at least five lawsuits since its inception. You know what? And they've also dished out like 70 lawsuits. Okay. Um, we are pausing the investigation, says Voss, because um, it's not like we're going to keep looking into things we've already discovered. Um, and he also added that it's because several lawsuits need to first be settled. He also told local media that his office has now been investigating for almost a year and that we will potentially restart the investigation if we have the subpoenas served. <clears throat> Now, what he's talking about there is, um, well, is not what this article is talking about. This article then goes to talk about the lawsuits that are served against Robin Voss and Michael Gableman for opening this investigation. That's, that's lawsuits that are being filed by American Oversight, right? 
Um, what the the lawsuits that Robin Voss is referring to are uh, several of the many subpoenas that have been called to oh, I don't know the mayors of like um, uh, Green Bay, the mayors of Madison, um, the uh, head administrator at the Wisconsin Election Committee Commission. Uh, Dominion voting systems people. Uh, so n- all of those subpoenas, which are uh, in the courts right now, tied up with injunctions and tied up with, uh, you know, um, um, uh, uh, um, insight or hearings to um, dismiss them, right? They're tied up in the court right now, all those. And, and these are people who broke the law in Wisconsin and do not want to face Michael Gableman in his, um, you know, rented office on a, a strip mall somewhere there in Racine. Um, so that's that's why he's putting it on pause, you know? So I'm just kind of like, is this Robin Voss's way out? Because it really seems like it could be. Uh, in March, uh, it says here, uh, Gableman's attorney, James Bopp, told the Wisconsin Examiner that the release of documents sought in the lawsuits must be blocked so as to not tip off any individuals who are being investigated, including election officials. Now, you know that that is something that they do in lawfare, right? Like uh, Congress, say they have a committee hearing somewhere, they will sue for information against those whom they are attacking or targeting just to get the tip off on what they're investigating, who they're investigating, so they can better formulate their plans, right? Because after all, the office of Michael Gableman does not leak information. So they've got their watchdogs here, American Oversight. And um, uh, from what I've heard, but I have not investigated American Oversight, but from what I've heard, the CEO and or chairman and or owner of American Oversight is uh, is a pretty bad guy with a really bad rap sheet, okay? But I would have to dig into that to get you the proper information. But they've been suing Gableman and they've been suing Voss and Branchin and Rantham over uh, documents pertaining to Gableman's investigation, right? They want to get ahead of what's to come. In the meantime, they have, including Wisconsin Attorney General, suing them to uh, dismiss and or to injunct or to put, you know, so this way they cannot... Uh, this way they cannot get the information from those whom have been subpoenaed by Gableman. Big old lawfare scheme right here. Big old lawfare scheme. Okay. Um, so um, they're saying this could go until 2023, guys, which I'm sure is exactly what Robin Voss wants because he never wanted this to begin with. I mean, let's let's not forget when it came to election integrity audits and investigations, they had four of them on the table before Michael Gableman and Robin Voss did nothing about it every time. Go back to uh, uh, double-digit Mr. C reports in order to find out more about that, guys, because we reported about all of them. Uh, some good news from this, though, is that the Wisconsin um, um, legislative body, they have decided to go ahead and extend Michael Gableman's contract, even though there's a pause on the investigation. That's good. That means they're going to retain Michael Gableman, even though the investigation is been put on hold. So that's good news right there, guys. There's a silver lining here just yet, right? The, uh, the, um, the, uh, optimistic purview of, uh, Garland Favorito, voter GA shall infect us all, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Republican leaders in the Wisconsin legislature have renewed their commitment to pay a retired state Supreme Court justice thousands per month, right? They got to throw that in there just so that the reader 
who's uninformed or ill-informed will uh, judge, make a judgment. Thousands per month in taxpayer money to investigate fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Okay. According to the contract extension made public on Wednesday, former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman's wide-ranging investigation into supposed improprieties in the 2020 election was extended effective May 1st with the blessings of State Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. And they say blessings because this is a local, so they want to make Robin Voss look like a villain, even though he's on their side. Um, and let's see here. It says, uh, though the latest contract extension includes a 50% pay cut for Gableman, he will still receive $5,500 in taxpayer money per month for his efforts, including uh, $2,500 to cover the rent at his Brookfield office. The extension has no end date, making the audit's timeline for now indefinite. But according to Voss, Gableman will not be using the taxpayer funds to do any investigating for the time being. The Republican legislature told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel on Tuesday that the actual investigation is on hold as he, Gableman, and others fight multiple lawsuits at play over the review. Let's not forget that Gableman stiffed Janelle Branchin on covering the legal fees. That's right. Janelle Branchin, whom Voss assigned to the committee to oversee election integrity, who has been doing her job is forcing her to pay out of her own pocket to cover the legal fees in as the result of the review and as the result of her having integrity and doing the will of her constituents. And while I would say we should not waste taxpayer money on frivolous lawsuits, I would say that taxpayer money is merited on a constituent who is doing her job and who is doing the will of the people and a good job at that. And again, guys, that is to highlight the leadership or lack thereof of someone like Robin Voss, which only gives him extra stripes as a rhino, if you ask me, right? Extra stripes as a rhino, because that's pretty, that's pretty shameful of him to do, in my opinion, um, let's see here. The article goes on to say that, uh, that they actually they actually lie about the Gableman report right here. None of these researchers, none of these investigations have discovered widespread outcome affecting electoral fraud. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What about what about the exploited uh, citizens of the nursing home? Huh? What about the unlawful bribery that the Wisconsin Election Commission um, participated in? What about the broken laws that they participated in by bringing in outsiders into their own um, election houses? What about what about the broken laws of uh, the Wisconsin um, um, state law and constitution? And uh, that's widespread throughout the state, ladies and gentlemen that this happened, but, you know, leave it up to local leftist organizations to print their biases, knowing that their readers are not going to dig to find out the answer. Um, yeah, and, and then it goes on to defame also Gableman's interim report. The uh, report alleged a conspiracy involving illegal election bribery between uh, Wisconsin election officials when it was found that the activities of the Wisconsin Election Commission accepting the Zuckerberg money, in fact, did break 
Wisconsin election, uh, Wisconsin bribery laws, which not every state has them, but it just so happens Wisconsin does. Otherwise, you know, Arizona, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan could all have acted on that, on breaking bribery laws. Not, not all states have the same laws, guys, on the books. But there you have it, guys. So that's a quick update. At least we know Gableman is still on the case, but they've got to fight lawsuits. I guess we'll see how that pans out. After all, guys, lawfare is the long game. Litigation does uh, allow the passage of time to take them beyond the statutory limits of uh, election data retention, which is what they were hoping for, which is what their game was. But unfortunately, we broke their game in several states, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, well, there's that. Speaking of transparency in elections and breaking the law, breaking the law, 2,000 mules, ladies and gentlemen, will be returning to the theaters. Can you believe that? That is awesome. Uh, founder Catherine Engelbrook announced 2,000 mules will be back in the theaters. That is amazing, ladies and gentlemen. Talk about a hit. You know, the theaters were like, none of the movies we've been playing generated as many sales as this one did. Bring it back. Bring it back. All right. Long live capitalism. And uh, may it uh, ever, uh, ever progress. So uh, this article from 100% Fed Up says that uh, they spoke with Catherine Engelbrecht. And um, this was, of course, after the whirlwind promotional tour of 2000 Mules. Um, and uh, it went this way. Oh, they're, they're talking about all of the great goodness of uh, the experience so far. Um, let's see. Where's Catherine Engelbrecht? Okay, it says here, uh, it would appear... It would appear that movie theaters have taken note of 2000 Mules' top 10 box office status. And according to Catherine Engelbrecht, theaters have asked to have the film back. Engelbrecht shared this information with 100% Fed Up, adding that she's not sure when the movie will be back in theaters, but is confident it will happen within a week. Dates, times, and theater locations are not yet listed for the 2000 Mules movie, but Dinesh D'Souza's 2000mules.com website is a great place to check for updates. So yeah, victory guys, we've got another one. It's going to infect the Patriot 1776. What's a movie theater? I know, right? All of us have already forgotten about it or and many of us never went even prior to, ah, even prior to, uh, even prior to uh, the whole pandemic thing. Uh, um, podcast listeners are gonna wonder why I went, ah! It's because, guys, we've got a swamp creature on the screen. It is none other than the Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson, ladies and gentlemen. The reason why we bring this snake on the screen, of course, is because Jocelyn Benson, she seems to have found nothing wrong with ballot trafficking. And, and, and she says this in response to, uh, to a question that was offered to the uh, Secretary of State's I mean, sorry, to the election officials and to uh, other representatives and governors in the five most contentious states for the 2020 election, and also those whom they are aware of that True the Vote has data on their election, okay? So uh, apparently the Epoch Times asked the question, hey, Jocelyn Benson, in light of the uh, information brought forward by 2,000 mules, what do you think about election fraud in Michigan? And Jocelyn Benson, 
Well, absolutely found that uh, there was nothing wrong with what she saw in the film. In fact, uh, she's all for ballot harvesting. And you know, if you are a proponent, if you are in agreement for ballot harvesting, then there's nothing wrong with ballot trafficking, right? Hey, Doreen Merck, how's it going? Good to see you. I haven't seen you in a minute. Thanks for gifting the cookie. Much appreciated. Uh, let's see what Benson, the snake herself, had to say. Democrat Michigan election chief, Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson, says 2,000 mules, ballot trafficking allegations explained by standard election practices. Now, let's not forget in some states there are lenient rules against ballot harvesting, which again is the act of collecting ballots that are not your own and turning them in. You know, some states are like, well, you know, uh, uh, you can do it for your family members, you know, uh, you can do it for, uh, they have various reasons of why they would allow it. Now, obviously, Jocelyn Benson, who uh, wants a standardized uh, absentee ballot draw boxing, who wants nothing but absentee mail voting, mail-in voting, who wants uh, no identification, and, and who creates her own laws for signature match verification, that Jocelyn Benson, you know she has no problem with ballot trafficking. She was like, oh yeah, this film highlights the best part about Michigan elections. This film does, wow. Maybe it'll encourage the rest of the country to follow in my lead. The Michigan Secretary of Snake's office has reviewed portions of the movie 2000 Mules pertaining to Michigan and sees nothing illegal. A spokesperson for the office told the Epoch Times, the film clips involving Michigan that have been shared with the department are explained by standard election practices well within state and federal law. A.K. Crisp, press secretary for Michigan Secretary of Snake's Jocelyn Benson, a Democrat, said in an email. I find the response quite shocking, as paid ballot trafficking is illegal in all 50 states, says Dinesh D'Souza, of Benson's assessment of the evidence pre presented in the documentary. How can they refuse to even investigate? Well, I guess the answer has to be that this is cheating that helps their own party. Crisp went on to say that Michigan's 2020 election was found to be secure and accurate by hundreds of audits, numerous courts, and the Republican-led State Senate Oversight Committee. Now, I will say, all of that is BS, except for the Republican-led State Senate Oversight Committee, who, in fact, are Republicans, who, in fact, did find that nothing was wrong in the 2020 election. But um, are you taking note, Michigan, about those rhinos? Because some of these guys were also very adamantly opposed to what was happening with COVID-19 and the lockdowns and the mandates. But they still forfeited your sovereignty by uh, getting along to go along or going along to get along with the 2020 election. I'm telling you guys, what's more important? That your representative or senator is going to call out the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates. The vaccine mandates, of course, being a no-brainer, but they're going to, uh, they're going to uh, you know, just kind of let it go when it comes to elections, which is the uh, precise representation, symbolically speaking, of your freedom, liberty, and sovereignty. Freedom for security? Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah. Michigan, take note, right? Now is the time, guys. Now is the time.
Anyhow, um, this article goes on to talk about, of course, more about True the Vote and what they did. It says here, the study found that in Wayne County, Michigan, at least 500 intermediaries called mules engaged in ballot trafficking by collecting thousands of absentee ballots from voters and depositing them in ballot drop boxes for money. Okay, so that's their data from Michigan, guys. But uh, Jocelyn Benson was like, oh, wow, these guys were helping us out. They made our job easier. Well, go them. They're working for the team here, right? They're working for the team. So we'll see what is left to come because the other uh, individuals who were contacted for a response on that question, what you think about 2,000 mules in your state have not responded. We're talking Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Texas. They have not responded, guys. That's what I'm telling you guys. Abbott's like, I got that good old forensic election audit. It's the biggest and the best in the nation. Come on, Abbott. Your uh, spurs are starting not to jingle jangle at all. Because anyone who knows anything about what a real election audit, forensically speaking, looks like, and we had the perfect example, we covered it the entire time here at the C-Report, is not what I would call what they're doing here in the Lone Star State ladies and gentlemen. And I would just hope that they would finish their audit because they haven't yet. They're supposed to be done soon. I would just hope that they release the audit and it gets the stamp of approval from Greg Abbott and it gets the stamp of approval from uh, Chris Scott, the, uh, the, the brand new, the fifth secretary of state for Greg Abbott, right? And then, uh, and then they release the data, right? On Texas. And then Trump can be like, oh, I might have to pull that endorsement. Wait, well, not now, President Trump. You have to do it after November. We're going to end up with a big old pedo named Beto Beta O'Rourke. Can't do it. I mean, they still would not vote against. They still no one would vote in Beto. Don't worry. It's not like uh, it's not like I know of, Al, of Abbott's rhino-ness. OK, guys, I know of his rhino-ness. I'm still not going to vote for Beto. Unfortunately. Okay, I said I was not going to talk about Abbott until after November. All right, not going to talk about Abbott until after November. Next story. We seem to have another snake in the grass, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wait, this is appropriate because this is an actual alert, guys. This is an actual alert. There we go, guys. An actual alert. Alert, alert. Rhino alert. We have a rhino in the GOP in the state of Idaho who is running for the top elections official position, the secretary of state. And, uh, well, guys, it's about time we shed a little bit of light on this individual. All right. This article from the Gateway Pundit. Apparently, Phil McGrain, the GOP top runner in the Secretary of State primary for the GOP position, supports Zuckerbucks. And we know what that could amount to, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take a look at the article. It says, Ada County Clerk Phil McGrain is currently leading his three-way GOP primary by a small margin, according to recent polls from a few weeks ago. And that is 60% of voters were still undecided. 
Election day is rapidly approaching in Idaho on May 17th. Oh, there's another important one happening on on uh, United States Congressional UFO Hearing Day, Tuesday, May 17th. That's also Pennsylvania's. Idaho is a solidly red state, but like in other red states, Democrats are working to put imposters in office who support a liberal agenda. Phil McGrain solicited, accepted, and now defends taking Zuckerbucks that were used to benefit Democrats and stop Trump in 2020. You see that? Phil McGrain solicited. That means he was like, please, sir, I'd like some of your dirty money. I'd like some of your dirty money to use in my uh, elections. There were two documentaries that recently resulted, that recently explained Zuckerbucks. Yes, we know about Zuckerbucks. Um, we know about what 2,000 Mules did. We know about the drop boxes, okay? Uh, Phil McGrain is an enemy of election integrity in multiple ways, but the rhinos in Idaho are supporting him for some reason. Oh, it might be because he's a rhino too. What is it with these dirty rhinos this year? Oh, you know what it is, the Gateway Pundit? It's that we can actually see them. More and more, as the day is long and as the days get longer, we can see that's what it is, the Gateway Pundit. They just have never been so apparent. Uh, uh, this web video was going to run on broadcast and cable TV in Idaho with strong dollars behind it, but high-level establishment Republicans who want the rhino to win twisted arms to have it taken down to keep it hidden from the voters. Let's check it out. Let's see this video about Phil McRain. I am super curious. The corruption hey, you wait until I say you can go, please. All right. Sorry about that, y'all. I know it startled me also. Let's take a look. The corruption is shocking. According to the AP, liberal billionaires and Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg donated hundreds of millions to local election offices to benefit Democrats and beat Donald Trump. And who pocketed Zuckerbucks in Idaho? Ada County Clerk Phil McGrain did. McGrain's office requested the anti-Trump money and still defends taking it. Vote against Phil McGrain for Secretary of State. He's with them, not us. Women Speak Out Pack is responsible for the content of this advertising. Awesome. Oh, whoops. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Take down Phil McCrane. You can see why they didn't want him there. Right, guys? <laughs> CJM says Phil McCrotch. <laughs> oh, hey. So apparently uh, Kentucky is also having their primaries on May 17th. How are you guys doing over there in Kentucky? Um, with, uh, with all of that scandal that was happening, right? Where they removed uh, Starbucks. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I guess if you're in that district, right? I don't remember what district it was, but uh, let me uh, let me uh, get McCrane up back on the screen. Okay, here we go. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Back to the article. So the rhinos uh, silenced that. It says uh, Phil McGrain uh, is a Republican candidate who will slowly work to turn Idaho blue, chipping away at election integrity and making it easy to cheat. This is the game plan of the left in red states to use certain Republicans as their proxies to slowly destroy ballot integrity. Phil even used to be an attorney at the Elections Assistance Commission. No wonder that name sounds familiar. And that says enough. We have written extensively on the EAC here at the Gateway Pundit, and we've reported on it extensively here at the C-Report. Establishment Republicans in Idaho believe they have this one in the bag, but this race is incredibly divisive as more and more people find out about Phil. 
He has no business winning the GOP primary. It would be a true travesty. He simply he he'll simply preserve and make a broken system worse by design. So then the fair people of Idaho must be wondering, well, who on earth is running for Secretary of State in Idaho? So we're going to cover that briefly, guys. And we're almost out the door. We have a we have a three-way race in Idaho for Secretary of State, right? Secretary of State's in my opinion one of the most important offices in this nation, okay? And um GOP, it's a, it's a tight race. We'll see if shedding a little bit of light on Phil McCrane and us sharing the story will help, you know, uh, cause some distance between Phil McCrane and those in the lead. So we got two others. Who are they? Who are these people? Right? Let's find out. Let's find out who they are. Secretary of State, a look at the three GOP hopefuls. So we're gonna we're gonna skip we're gonna skip on uh, the profile on McCrane, right? Uh, we will say we will start here. Three Republicans from different corners of Idaho politics are vying to be the GOP uh, nominee in the race for Idaho Secretary of State, a race that could highlight the tensions between the two chambers of the legislature and Idaho Republicans leading up to the May 17th primary. Ada County Clerk Phil McCrane, Representative Dorothy Moon and Senator Mary Souza. Man, we got uh, we got a representative, a senator, and a clerk, and yet somehow the clerk is coming out on top. Uh, so these are the contenders. The current Secretary of State Lawrence Denny is retiring rather than seeking a third term. Okay, so uh, let's skip Phil McCrane's little rap sheet here. What does it say there? Okay, never mind. There's the rhino himself, right? He just needs a big old horn and he'll look just like a rhino. Um, okay, so let's see. A Dorothy Moon. Okay, Dorothy Moon is the representative. It says, uh, Dorothy Moon came to Idaho from Missouri in 1994. She lives in a cabin near Stanley, but her accent is distinctly Midwestern. She was born in Kansas City, Missouri and raised near the Ozark Mountains. She graduated from Missouri State University with a bachelor's degree in secondary education and a master's degree in resource planning and eventually taught geology to college students in Ozark, Missouri. When Moon met her husband, Dar, through mutual friends, they moved to his home state of Idaho in 1994 and raised their two boys, first in the Rupert area and then Stanley. Dar Moon is a geologist and civil engineer, and the two have owned Moon and Associates since 2005. He was a gold miner and I was a gold digger, and the rest is history. Moon jokes, ah, she's got a sense of humor. That's nice. Dar Moon also serves on the National Council for the John Birch Society, a far-right-wing political activity group. Okay, uh, picture's becoming a little bit clearer now, right? The two built their cabin home off the grid, Moon says, with four Costco solar panels, a propane fit fridge, and a 1,000-gallon propane tank. Moon taught high school and middle school science and directed the special education program in Chalice until she retired in 2012. Moon became an Idaho representative in 2016, but she was involved with the Tea Party movement when it first began in 2009. After the Affordable Care Act became law, Moon said she saw negative effects in her rural community when people were, were penalized for not having insurance. 
She also served as vice president of the Minicasia Chamber of Commerce. I always thought the government should be there to help people and not to hinder and deny them their pursuit of happiness, pursuit of livelihood, and everything else, she said. And I believe that is Dar Moon. I mean, that is, uh, yeah, that's Dorothy Moon. So that is, that is Mrs. Moon right there, Representative Moon. Living off the grid, right? Tea Party Patriot, okay. John Bircher, uh, by, uh, by way of husband. Uh, she says, what inspired her to return to the Idaho, to what inspired her to run for the Idaho legislature was what she viewed as mismanagement of Idaho forests leading to more damaging wildfires. Moon says she no longer sees the point in staying in Idaho legislature when it is broken and controlled by leadership or the governor, which is why she's running for state office. Due to redistricting, she also landed in the same district as three other House incumbents, complicating a re-election bid. And that was done intentionally across the board, guys, uh, to keep America First Patriots out and also possible freshmen uh, representatives and senators. Moon is part of a group of legislators with high marks from the Idaho Freedom Foundation, a conservative and libertarian group that gives each legislator a score based on how they vote on particular bills during the legislative session. She has a 94% score based on the 2022 session. Moon this year proposed three different versions of a sweeping bill to change Idaho's voting laws. The third version passed the House but died without a hearing in the Senate. The first version would have removed the option of same-day registration for Idahoans at the polls, something she did not mention when she introduced the bill. Oh, whoop, whoop, right? Like, that's so bad. The bill would have prohibited the use of student identification cards for voting. Oh, you know, that sounds pretty good to me. It would have done away with the option for a voter to sign a legal affidavit to verify their identity. Oh, well, you know what? Uh, that's just further security. Uh, and uh, it would have imposed new requirements on military and overseas voters, among other things. Individuals who registered at the polls on election day would have been required to prove citizenship to vote. <gasps> That's such a terrible thing, right? The moon sounds pretty good to me. Moon spent much of the 2020 legislative session talking about election security and joined nine other Idaho legislators to sign a letter written by Arizona State Senator Wendy Rogers calling for a 50-state audit of the 2020 elections. Oh, you mean she wants to possibly decertify all 50? Right? She maintains ensuring election integrity is more important than ensuring legal voters can vote. Because if you have election integrity, then illegal voters can't vote. Telling a House committee, you provide the residency and identification, citizenship for a first-time voter, and if not, just you just don't vote. People know where I stand. I'm very black and white, Moon said. There is no gray area. I don't know about you guys, but um, Senate, uh, Representative Moon sounds pretty good, right? She sounds a hell of a lot better than Clerk McCrane. Let's talk about Mary Souza. 
Uh, Sousa says her life with brothers gave her toughness for politics. She was the only girl among seven boys in her family. She graduated from Pacific Lutheran University with a bachelor's degree in nursing and worked as a cardiac nurse before earning a master's degree in health education. After several years in the nursing field, Sousa stepped away to help her husband with his burgeoning event planning business, known today as D-Expo and Event Services. What was supposed to be a short couple of years offering her help turned into 15 years, Sousa said, and the business is what brought them to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho in the 1990s. When Coeur d'Alene Resort, the Coeur d'Alene Resort had just opened when they moved, she said, and asked the company to help with Christmas decorations. That turned into a longer contract, and the couple settled in Coeur d'Alene, um, where they raised four children. Her community involvement eventually led her to take a seat on the local planning and zoning commission and a run for Coeur d'Alene uh, mayor. While she did not win that race, it prompted, it prompted state-level Republican Party officials to ask her to consider running for the Idaho Senate in 2014, where she served ever since. And there is um, a, a, a Senator Souza. Senator Souza. Okay. Uh, it's a really good spot for me. I fit well. I love the work and the people. Souza has sponsored 15 bills related to elections. That included one this year similar to Moon's sweeping overhaul, which got a full hearing but died in committee. Sousa often mentions out-of-state grant funding during the 2020 election as a problem she solved as a senator. The Center for Tech and Civic Life, a nonprofit organization in Illinois, granted more than $750,000 uh, $750, to 20 of the 44 counties across Idaho in 2020 to help with election administration during the COVID-19 pandemic. As Ada Clerk, County Clerk McGrain, identified the, the funding opportunity and sent it to other clerks. You see that? McGrain not only solicited the money, he is the one responsible for alerting all the other clerks in Idaho about it. Man, operative. Sousa calls the grant dollar Zuckerbucks because the nonprofit organization received $350 million in funding from Facebook founder um, and chief executive officer Mike Mark Zuckerberg. We know all about it. Uh, Sousa says, I just think people need to know that Idaho elections need to be secured and we have weaknesses in our systems. Even though we are not one of the swing states and I did, did not have horrible things happening in the 2020 election, we have the potential for them here and we have the beginnings of them here. Very interesting, guys. Very interesting indeed. So uh, I would say it's... um. It's an honest toss-up, right, between Souza and Moon. But I gotta say, I think I like Moon better than Souza. Because, and I say that because, and this is very, very, very like picking at the minutia. She said nothing horrible happened in Idaho. Look at uh, Otero County, New Mexico. Look at what could happen in Texas if we get a real audit. Nothing horrible happened because Trump won. Is that what you mean? Are you satisfied with that answer as far as the accuracy and security of your elections, Senator Souza? Anyhow, it's not up for me to decide, but hopefully this will alert some of the Idahoans 
about the shenanigans going on in their state with their uh, current leading candidate for Secretary of State, one Rhino McRane. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the 300th episode of The Sea Report. I hope it was as good for you as it was for me. I had a fun time sharing this information with all of you guys out there in the audience and across the interwebs. And for those of you who get to hear this on podcasts later on, and for those of you who might happen to catch the replay, if you are hanging out over there at um, Rumble or at Twitch or at Clout Hub, by all means, please make sure you follow and subscribe. Uh, so that you can stay up to date and abreast with all future live broadcasting. And uh, if you're over at Rumble, you can most definitely check out the clips of our episodes. I'd like to say that they're a fun time, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, if you're hanging out over there at um, uh, the Foxhole app or Pill.net, thank you so much for being part of the live studio audience. <laughs> And for always being here. And if you guys have not gotten over to my Rumble page to check out those clips, please make sure you do so. And follow and subscribe. And guys, like, give us a thumbs up. Help push us to the surface, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's been a fun time uh, being able to do this for you all. And I thank you all again for being here with us and helping, helping us get to the 300th episode. And cheering us along all the way, guys. Doing it all the way. Hey, hey, Two in the Pink, what's up? Thank you for gifting the can. Good to see you, buddy. It's been a minute. WC Cranop is in the house as well. What's up, buddy? Mr. C in Huntington Beach having a beer with the daughter before dinner. Give my regards to the chillin', Mr. Cranop. Tell them Mr. C said hello. It, it's an honor. <laughs> it's an honor. Awesomeness. I'm glad you're doing well, my friend. I was getting worried about you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got to call it a wrap. Dinner smells amazing, and I am famished. I have not eaten today. Uh, well, I had a cookie. Well, actually, I had several cookies. Anyways, that's not the point. All right, guys. Well, we will be back sooner or later uh, for another edition of the Sea Report or any of the other broadcasting that we do here at Mr. CTV, whether it be Lone Star News, which is Texas current events and local... Texas news and uh, local events. Local news and current events. I'll get it right someday. Or see in the dark, guys, where, you know, it's a little bit more casual. We uh, talk about things from, uh, you know, uh, conspiracy theories to current events and everything in between, ladies and gentlemen. And everything tends to have an America First bent. I don't know what that's all about, but it is. Or, hey, thanks for the can, WC. Here's uh, Cheers, WC. Cheers, WC. All right, guys, we're backing out. Let me go ahead and release the scratching over at the Foxhole.app and uh, bid you guys our final adieus to the 300th episode of The Sea Report. To 300 more, ladies and gentlemen. To 300 more. And in the meantime, and as always, ladies and gentlemen, as you go out into that dark night, Please be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you next time. Have a great night, y'all.